Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. So I hope you're all doing well. Uh, as always, if you want to ask a question, stick your hand up or, you know, interrupt someone when they're talking. As long as you do it nicely. Um, but if you don't want to talk because um, you're feeling a little bit shy, feel free to also add any comments or questions to the chat window and we'll keep a, we'll keep a close eye on that one as well. I'll just keep adding people in as they come. Um, yeah, so it's just a, essentially a free-for-all ask questions, share stuff, you know. No one's an expert here. We're all learning the skills we go along. So yeah, let's just all share information. I mean, I see one right now from Mike in the window. Did I ever consider doing ERV on a target after completing CRV? For me, uh, no, because ERV for me would be going backwards rather than forwards. Um, ERV is pretty much like the spon- not spontaneous, but the the kind of. Uh, esoteric type traveling i was doing uh psychically before i found crv which for me was a bit not spontaneous but a bit out out of control that's the good words for it um and i i found for you know if i was in the meditation and doing a channeling type situation psychically for an hour an hour and a half 90 percent of what i experienced in that uh, i'd forgotten by the time i came out of the deep meditation state and then started writing my notes um, I, I was never one of these people that could wake up every 10 minutes, write a note and then go back, back under type thing. So I would never go back to that way of doing things. Cause for me, I would lose too much, but I understand that, it, you know, it can be beneficial for some people. Um, go for it, Don, you, you wanted to ask a question. You, feel free to ask away and I'll just keep letting some people in as, as we, as we go through this. We can't hear you at the moment. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yes. So, uh, Des, I guess this is a question for you, because I, I read somewhere that you ran an experiment on a completely... Um, fictional target. I don't know that much about it. Um, uh, there's uh, there was some other chat in another group about uh, Farsight and what they're doing, and um, uh, like this brought up this whole notion of well, you know, if you send remote viewers out to something that's imaginary, they're going to report on this imaginary thing and when, without even knowing that it's real. Is that right? It can be the case, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I, the experiments that I did uh, and other experiments I found are on my uh, remote viewed website in the in the news section in the blogs. But essentially, it all kicked off for me when it's got to be about fifteen years ago now. I did a target for uh, HRVG. Um, my and it wasn't just me; I was one of the viewers on it. Um, it was it was interesting because back then everyone was a bit more friendlier than they are now. I know that sounds a bit weird, 
but they were uh, and it was a it was a project that involved uh, CRV students and HRVG students and SRVG students. So it was quite good. And in fact, you know, I was on it. Courtney Brang was on it. Several other notable viewers were, were all on the same project. And it was for Farsight. Not for Sar- Farsight, sorry, for HRVG. And it turned out to be uh, what they called Tanner Dam. And it was a, a dam, a location that Dick had been thinking about for six months and kind of envisioning it in his head. And he envisioned the people that would live there, the jobs they were doing you know, the dam itself, the location, you know, he really put a lot of thought and attention into it for months on end into, into building this, this thing in his mind about what this, this dam would look like. It had a second uh, part of the target as well, uh, which was assigned to something else, but that's kind of irrelevant to this situation. So the the target really only existed in his head. Other than he did also describe uh, what he had envisioned in his head to an artist and an artist did do a watercolor of, of of the dam, but you know, based on his imagination. So there was a feedback picture of such. Um, and all the remote viewers across every discipline uh, described uh, a dam with water high up in the mountains, exactly as Dick Dick had env- envisioned this. Um, and that played on my mind for uh, ten years or more because I couldn't, yeah, you know, I just couldn't get out of my mind. It's like, how can how can this be possible? So I set up my own experiment um, where I created a UFO event in my head and I literally didn't, I didn't have any artist rendering or anything. And I set that as a target on Facebook to some, uh, anyone that w- wanted to do it on, on the Facebook group. 10 people applied to do it. Bear with me a sec while I let these in. Uh, and uh, all of them described uh, the exact same triangle shaped UFO that I envisioned in my head. Um, yeah, in great okay. detail, and they okay. didn't, and they didn't realize when they were doing it. And you know, because I asked them questions on this afterwards, they couldn't differentiate between that RV session and any other RV session. It felt as real as any other RV session they they'd done. Okay, so this brings me, I guess, to my next point, which is, can you create a tasking that determines whether uh, the target is real or? imaginary possibly um yeah like you would do that with use of words like you know go to the optimum real or existing target only in in the keywords for the uh for when you're setting the target but really to be honest if the person you know it, it has an intent that's strong enough uh a belief system that's strong enough they could probably hijack you and make you uh just report what they want 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 to hear in the data anyway that's why feedback is critical to to remote viewing really can i so, butt in briefly can, there can, on the topic can, of can i can i just uh just to answer your question on. yeah um go, all right i'm sorry go ahead um there's two people um that i know of doing something like that one was fabian rush who's on here sometime who was doing um, I don't think he's here tonight. He was doing an experiment with his Facebook group where he had uh, the same object. He had a mobile phone was the example he gave. Then he had a digital image of a phone and then an imaginary phone that was just in his head. Um, and he gave out targets for all three to his group. And he said the preliminary results were that the viewers could differentiate between them, but they, they were trying to do that. They were expecting to be looking for that. 
the other one is John Vivanco, who I can't remember what video it's in. He's, he's given a talk um, about mysteries projects he's done. And it had a really great example of some tasking in there that was, um, it was a thing that there was a lot of conspiracy theory and woo-woo ideas about, but um, the way he tasked it was describe where this thing came from so that we can understand whether this woo-woo explanation is true or not, what really happened, and got back that it was a totally mundane, boring thing. So it definitely can be done from that point of view. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, the, the uh, question that I was going to ask is if viewers cannot determine the difference between real and imaginary, does that, does that mean our physical reality is actually something sort of imaginary? Um, there was a, an article, uh, I think it was a Facebook um, uh, a YouTube movie where the um, a researcher was saying that what we perceive our senses is nothing but a user interface and has actually bears no resemblance to what's really out there. We don't really know what's really out there. So, um, you know, this business about tasking someone on a, a thing and they're not sure whether it's real or imaginary. Well, maybe everything is imaginary. I, I used to work with this guy who was he was a super smart guy he was like a phd in neuroscience and stuff and uh i i asked him about this about our perception you know because you've, you've seen that illusion with the blind spot in the eye where you can hold a page and you move it and your brain just fills in the blank right and i said like how much of our what we think we're perceiving is just made up and he's like at least 90 percent <laughs> you know so from that point of view you could say that actually our perception of normal reality is AOL, right? Really? Like kind of lower level form of AOL. But yeah, we, we think we're saying this stuff and we're not. There's something interesting there. I don't know how to explore it further. I really need to think about it. It seems like remote viewing might be able to like get more information about this somehow. I, I, let me just think about it. Uh, that, anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an interesting subject. And as I said, I did the experiment. I also collected several other experiments as well in, in my research from Deborah Lynn Katz and, and other people as well. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, I've got the documentation on that as well. So it's not just me and a few others that have done this imaginary target and, and viewers, you know, have picked it up. It's, you know, it's other people as well. And, you know, it leads me to the question on the non-feedback or targets. And you, you know yourself that I've done quite a few for, for Farsight and Courtney Brown in the past. I have to, I have to question the ones that have uh, little to no feedback on whether I was actually remote viewing the target or remote viewing uh, something to do with the tasker's intent more than, more than anything. That's really interesting. I mean, that is just so interesting. Okay, thank you very much. I think we all have to be, um, and as remote viewers, um, because we don't know the mechanism yet, I think we ha all have to be um, consciously aware uh, and, and be ethical in telling people that if there isn't sufficient feedback, then essentially all bets are off, really, because you don't know where any information is coming from and you don't know how to validate it. Okay, uh, what's this? Judy's wrote something. Let's see what Judy's wrote here. Uh, yeah, it's not a question. Uh, anyone else got anything? Uh, Paul, do you want to go next? 
Uh, yeah, the you know regarding uh, feedback, uh, sometimes I've seen Courtney uh, create uh, feedback targets that he wanted to have the viewer see to to verify that they were on track. But I, I'm not sure that that's accurate because that's as much a creation of the target as the feedback issue that he's looking for as, as he's looking for new stuff. So perhaps the proper use of feedback is for something to be totally uh, unexpected by the tasker, but still connected to the target. And, and only it's like if you're doing a search for a missing person and you physically find them, then that's not the kind of thing that you can have any uh, tasker uh, creation that that's an that's an objective thing and and so when you're doing something like Courtney does maybe for him to to say that in fact he's coming up with verifiable data that say he's on track the data that ha he comes up with is not something that he's looking for them to find but something that they find totally unexpected related to that target I don't know if I'm making myself clear but uh, that's, I, th I think the points that are being make, made here are really, really, um, really excellent. I recall one time where a CRV person was monitoring someone else and they uh, apparently got bored and they started looking around the room and they saw some dust on a shelf and the person that was in the other room suddenly started talking about dust. Uh, and so I think the, the, the separating reality from the intent of the tasker can be quite a challenge. Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, a, a dilemma, I think, uh, that we should all be aware of, um, especially when we're doing RV that we're uh, putting out there publicly and selling or giving to clients uh that's why yeah you, know, you know i think ingo was great when he said you know feedback has to be part of the uh the rv situation um yeah it's crucial as i said you know i've done many projects for many people and i have to now question some of those projects that, that i worked on them uh on was the information real from the target or was it just hardcore intent from the tasker uh, and that's due to lack of feedback, you know, but some of them do have feedback that I personally say is, is credible. Like, uh, I mean, I did the, you know, JFK assassination and I know, you know, there's reams of feedback on that, you know, with the Zapruder film, the documents, the statements, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you have good feedback on ones like that and you have semi good feedback on targets like we did um, Area 51, uh, Roswell and Phoenix Lights. I consider those to have pretty good feedback as well, although it's not 100% tangible in most. But, you know, Phoenix Lights, 20,000 people saw it, so there are good witness statements or photographs or video film. That, that for me, is good, good feedback to uh, give some good credibility to some of the data, but not all the data. Um, but, yeah, some of the targets I've done, and not just for Courtney, for other people as well, but, you know, I did some targets for Courtney which were far off, planets i think iapetus or something and i could never find any feedback that could uh, determine what we what we saw on there um so uh, and like uh, another one was i think the hitter one I'm, I'm not so keen on that one as well because 
you know, we don't have too much uh, right now on Hitler's state of mind. I mean, we kind of know he was a bit of a psycho and stuff, but you know, it's not for me. That's not that's not solid feedback. Not not enough. Um, yeah. So all I say is just be just be careful. Just because someone says they got information with remote viewing, question question everything. You know, question everything about yourself, everything you're doing. We don't know the mechanism. I'm not saying telepathy is always involved. Um, but I do think telepathy can be involved in the remote viewing process. Um, and I think uh, I'm coming more to the conclusion that the RV process is almost conscious and alive and likes to play tricks on us, likes to keep us guessing, doesn't want us to know the mechanism behind remote viewing for some reason. Um, yeah, so just keep that in mind as well. Russell, you're up next. Yeah, to what uh, Paul Cosby just said, I can tell you two uh, incidents that I personally witnessed. Uh, one was very interesting. Paul, um, for his courses, does a session in front of the students. So you can see him work. <clears throat> the students pick uh, the session and then they give it to Paul's assistant instructor. So it's double blind. The assistant instructor just gets the coordinates that the students give. So Paul was uh, doing a session and <clears throat> being very, very accurate. All of a sudden he goes, AOL pomegranate? And he looks up, he goes, what? I've been doing this for you know 40 years or whatever, and I've never had an AOL pomegranate. And one of the students was drinking a pomegranate beverage just before and um, how shall I say, had a little aftertaste of it come up. And right at that instant, Paul got an AOL of pomegranate and even made note out loud of how unusual it was. And then the other student uh, asked for a break to talk to the uh, assistant instructor and then go outside and explain it. And so that was very interesting. Somehow uh, in, in Paul's process, he picked up directly on that pomegranate. The other one that I found interesting happened to me. I was doing a uh, <clears throat> tasking uh, that Pam Coronado had issued, and it was a uh, um, closed missing persons case with feedback as far as, you know, where they were found and how they were, how they went missing, et cetera. And so my session was 100% off, completely off. And then when Pam, uh, she does her uh, review of your sessions live every week. So the homework assignments, you get to watch her review yours and everybody else's, which is fascinating because there's so many different modalities being used. You get to see how other people work and you get to see psychics with no process do exceptional sessions. But anyway, so she's like, oh, 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 and um, wow. And then she said, this corresponds exactly to the case, open case that's weighing the heaviest on my mind right now. And so we talked about it later privately and I considered the possibility that if she was just issuing a tasking without a lot of energy or while her mind was heavily occupied with this actual case that she was presently working 
um, she indicated to me, of course, I can't prove it, but she said this, 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 that sketch, this description, this is exactly the elements of the case that has been heaviest on my mind. So the question that came to me is if she tasked me on this closed case just for practice, but her mind was consumed with this open case that she was working on professionally, did I pick up on it because of her preoccupation and intense focus on the open case? It's an interesting one. What do you think? Do you think you did? Well, I can't say. I didn't see any feedback on the open case. All she okay. did was say the, um, the, the, the card that I had drawn, um, a, a couple of my AOLs, and then uh, some of my S4s. And I can't remember, but I think there was one other sketch. She said they were the exact elements uh, that, that she had been working on. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I have no reason to distrust Pam. Yep. My, my belief is that's 100% entirely possible. Yeah. Even to the point, like in Paul, when, when Paul was training me how to do some tasking. Um, and actually, it, 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 I, I don't know if you still have it on your target monkey, but you used to have a little uh, comment on your target monkey, uh, something to the effect that you had put some intention into the tasking. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And so myself, when I'm doing a, a tasking, I make darn sure I have nothing else on my mind, nothing significant going on in my environment. And I, I intensely focus on the tasking with the deep intent that the viewer be successful. Yeah. So I try on purpose and, and a good part of that came off of that little comment uh, you used to have on Target Monkey, um, where I just, I want really super duper clear intent on that target and that target only yep. to the point that if I'm going to create another target, I'll put some time in between just like I would put in between sessions. Yep. So I, I believe it. I, th I think whatever is most intense in a tasker's mind is, is definitely, I mean, it, it, I mean, even research showed it, it's just going to have some effect. Yeah. Yeah. And if I were sitting there, you know, totally upset about, you know, let's say a tree fell on my house and then I decided to just whip out a target for someone, could they pick up on a tree falling on my house? Uh, you know, I've never had that happen, but I believe it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to comment on what Russell was talking about, if I may. <clears throat> I just recently was involved in a remote viewing tasking where all of the viewers did really well and one didn't. And that viewer came to me and said, I did an improper tasking. And I don't know how to evaluate that statement. I mean, there's, 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 a, I guess there's something about a tasking and the way that you receive it. Um, Some people can task targets really badly. Um, I have a system of doing it. Um, and I did write an article on it. I put out a, a thing of how I like targets to be tasked to me. 
I just say that might be worth a read. And it's not saying it's the only way to do it. Um, but the thing is, I and I've had, you know, because I've been tasked thousands of targets, loads, hundreds by people. Um, and even in crypto viewing, uh, because they're not experienced remote viewers, they get the tasking wrong even now, three years later. Um, because you really need to be a remote viewer to understand how you want the tasking. Um, but some where is, people... Where is some that people, right up, Daz? Sorry? Where is that right up? How you um, that would, that it, was, it was definitely an, an issue of eight martinis. I'll see if I can find that out and put the link uh, in, in the chat window. Okay. Uh, it's, just, it's just something I wrote on how, how I task targets. Um, but I even, I've even changed it up even more now. Like when are you task a target? And I can show you one actually. Uh, this was for a recent project. Uh, so I guess you can, can you see my screen okay there? Yes. Let me get rid of the chat window. I can make this a bit bigger if I can. Uh, so this is the target I did for uh, Hellfire Club. Uh, and this is an esoteric target. Uh, so I give, the, I give the target a number. Um, and then I have a free part thing where I, I, I say what the focus is. And then I give it the exact day and date if I can and what the event's about. Then I give them a direction. Bear in mind, they don't get to see any of this. It's just all on paper. Uh, and then what I do now is to make it absolutely clear on what my intent is, every time I set a target for someone now, I actually record what my intent is and what I expect to see at the target so that afterwards we can evaluate if my intent uh had any disruptive effect on the target or if it's or if it's a, a real occurrence or not um but i try to because as well as as being a, a a tasker you're essentially evaluating everyone's information that comes back on you based on how you set your target up here and if you don't record it properly or if you if you got in your mind as you're setting the target you don't really know what you want from the remote viewers really you're just doing a shotgun approach you can guarantee that that's the type of information you will get back to you. Uh, it will be confused and it will be a shotgun approach. So the more direct, accurate and precise you are when you're thinking about constructing the target as a, as a targeter, uh, I find that the more precise the data is that comes back to you. Okay. All right. Thank you. But, you know, if anyone else has any other ideas on this, but I can understand some people do get a bit antsy about target taskings uh, and some people use it as in a bit of an excuse if they have a miss um but uh target tasking was quite a big thing within uh the trv ed dames group type situations you know they were very every single word in the tasking is is precisely put in there for you know what they call optimum data retrieval and stuff well not only the wording right but you like almost specified it in several different ways to make sure you are getting what you wanted, which uh, that's the first time I'm seeing that. That's interesting. I, I always do it that way because, for example, and, you know, the guys in crypto view and one of the guys that, that gives us targets, I love the guy, he's fantastic, but he's not a remote viewer. So sometimes he'll set us a target and it'd be, you know, it'll have the target tasking on it, XXX123, and it'd be, it'd be, the viewers to move to this location and describe the location. The viewer then would describe what's going on down the street from this location. The viewer would then go here. So there will be four different things on one sheet of paper, four questions that they want us to do as remote viewers. Um, and I find with, with taskings like that, because their intent is that they want four different things, 
uh, as a remote viewer, we're just all over the place trying to report four different things all at once, all in one remote viewing session. I find it's best, even if you've got a really complicated target, to only do one question tasking, uh, you know, in, in your remote viewing, because you can always send them back with a different question and a different tasking later on. So try to keep it to one thing that you want to know about and, and not a scattergun approach in, in, in your tasking. Okay, thanks. Judy, Judy's up next with, with her hand up. Yeah, I'm interested in the way that you use the terms tasking and intention, but also that we know from when we're viewing that if there's something that um, takes our attention without us even realising it's not the task or intention, that that is where we go. And I know in my original training, they talked about someone, can't remember the name of the person, that was given a coordinate and he was told he was off target, but actually when he went up there, it wasn't a place in the, a cabin in the woods. Mm -hmm. It was the military place that he'd got that was secret that they didn't even know was up there. And so I really feel as though a lot of people's egos need too much confirmation. And why can't you just deliver the information? The case you're on about, though, they they were essentially off target on that. And that was the uh, Ingo Swan, Pat Price, uh, Virginia uh, site one. The actual target was was a cabin and they wandered off target. Uh, no, but when you say you're off target, that's when you start almost judging people. Well, they, you are judging. They, no, but, well, why do we have to judge rather than observe that they actually because, got something significant that was to they do... with the target. No... If, if, if if a life depended on uh, if life depended on describing the cabin, then that life would have died because they yeah. But the, the life didn't depend on that. The life probably depended more on that military place that was nearby. And I've had certain live tasks that I've done that I've apparently not been on task, but actually the bigger thing drew my attention, and that made much more sense. Um, and actually. Um, the ethics of it all needed me to go with what I did perceive rather than what my ego or the ego of the tasker would have had perceived. I'm not sure it's ego, it's just accuracy. Like if I was a paying client and I said, I need you to remote view what's in my metal safe by the side of me. If you didn't get that information, if you didn't get that information, you said, well, you know, I found, I found you know, the painting at the back of your room much more uh, interesting. Then I wouldn't pay you for that work. I'd be like, well, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't fulfill the need. Well, okay. So the ego needs to be paid. Whereas if that actual painting at the back of your room saved a life that you didn't even know about, then that is where I would rather be with my viewing. But okay. I'll leave you anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather be accurate for the for the tasker, to be honest. But, yeah. You know, every, everyone's different in this. And that to me is ego, which that isn't where I am. So I'll leave you with that one. It's not ego, though. It's accuracy. Okay. Uh, Sasha, would you like to go at next? Yes. Hi. Hi there. How are you? <laughs> well, how are you? Happy Friday, everyone. Um, okay. So I'm actually more interested in figuring out what remote viewing tells us about the system that we're in. And I think that that's a better approach to figuring out how to fix some of the 
I don't want to say problems, so I'll just say issues, I guess, with remote viewing. Um, the discrepancies between good remote viewers tasked with the same tasking that get very different results, right? And so I've been thinking about it in terms of the, you know, the hologram theory, right? So every part contains the whole in terms of the information, um, but at a lower resolution every time you break a piece off, right? So that would be us. Um, but so then I was trying to figure out because I think it matters. And I think it matters in the sense that you talk about the system being somewhat alive and, and having a bit of a trickster personality, being kind of playful, um, sometimes deceptive though, sometimes playful, but sometimes it seems like there's a deception to it. Um, or there's a, the boundary of accuracy where if you start being too accurate, it starts pulling you back into the regression to the mean effects. Um, and so I was kind of thinking if, it seems to me that this system is recording and storing all the information that's created within it, right? And so then it can either, I think if it's a, if the system itself is a, an organic emergent phenomenon, then it wouldn't necessarily distinguish real manifested information from conceptual fictional information. Yes. But if yeah. the system is designed, then you would expect that the designers would want to distinguish between those two realms of information, right? And so I'm wondering what people think who've been doing remote viewing for quite some time. Do you get a sense that the system itself distinguishes between what's fictional information that's, you know, Harry Potter movie is real, but the, the data isn't actually real, right? So it, it's, it's fictional, but the movie itself and the book itself is real. Um, so if the system treats it as equal to a historical event, then I, I would think that the system that we're in is, is an emergent phenomenon. It's, it's an organic, natural phenomenon. Whereas if it treats them differently, then I would think it's artificial or acts in an artificial way, right? That there's an element of design or intelligence or direction to how the information is treated. And, and then before I leave this for a piece to maybe comment on, um, it, there's a really big problem with artificial intelligence, which is it can manipulate information, but it, it can't make sense of meaning, right? And, and that's where the problems come in to using artificial intelligence uh, for more applications in our lives, is that it does a great job of manipulating information, but because it can't ascribe meaning to that information, it has all these limitations that we don't have as conscious beings, right? And I'm wondering what the relationship is between the differences that we, that we can articulate between um, information and meaning and how does that map on to the differences in the system um, between conceptual fictional information and real manifested information? Well, they're big questions. Um, <laughs> I think the problem we have is uh, 
it's hard for us to term, determine if either of those things are happening uh, because we have a bandwidth problem. I don't think we have, there's a bandwidth, con, uh, the, the bandwidth of consciousness, you know, it's been measured and it's incredibly small. I don't think it's big enough for us to be able to determine which one of those two things is possibly happening. Not even by its behavior, by the, because some of the limitations are on our side, definitely. Um, especially like we're saying intent or whether telepathy is, is interfering in the remote viewing session. But I think if I could, we not design studies so that we can test the limitations of the system more so than of the remote viewers or the remote viewing protocol. Yeah, I absolutely think, uh, we need to do those tests and, uh, you know, for 20, I think 25 years or more since the the programs all stop research no one's doing research in in remote viewing in a lab at the moment and we're no you know for the last 20 well since 95 when it all stopped we've gone nowhere uh progress wise in understanding the mechanism behind all this i think that's a that's a major you know hindrance to what we're what we're trying to do um yeah so you know if you know anyone that's been winning the put up 20 or 30 million it would be we could we could have one head of a, a program nowadays you know with with all the quantum technology that's coming online you know the computers and the technology we have now that we didn't have in the 80s and 90s i'm sure there could be a kick-ass uh, rv program right there that would be able to answer some of these questions and i was reading in the the new uh journal edition of the ssc the society for scientific exploration and they were talking about um, trying to see if they could get random number generators to exhibit psi phenomena. And they thought that they had, and then they realized that no, in fact, all that had happened is that their excitement had influenced the RNG. And then that's what caused the effects. Um, so I think, I think that the people who are interested in figuring out the limitations or how to, I don't know, optimize remote viewing, I do think that shifting the focus to figuring out the nature of the system itself might actually lead to better questions to yeah. test or, or I don't want to say it might lead to better answers, but I do think it might lead to, to better ways of developing remote viewing to account for the nature of the system that we're probing. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many, you know, there's so many things happening. Like, uh, and you, what you were just went, talking about, you know, essentially the experimenter effect. You know, everyone that's involved in the experiment affects the experiment to some degree. I think that extends farther than the the people involved in the experiment. Uh, I believe it probably extends to everyone, that, you know, especially on the public RV experiments. I think it's to anyone that ever reads or hears about that experiment before it actually happened or even after it happened could have affected the data in, in the past in some way. I think, you know, as quantum world's shown us everything's entangled um and it doesn't matter where it is in in time and space uh it can still affect but it's yeah you asked some valid questions there and uh i think you know i think it would be amazing if we because there are so many people around now with huge amounts of money it'd be, it'd be good if we could tap into one of these people and and get an rv project off the ground to explore these these avenues you know how, how much does telepathy involved how much is intent involved you know what is happening what systems happening is it a, is it just a simple data record kind of hard drive type system or is it something that's you know more organic as you said and it's you know conscious and it's changing 
I don't think we know. Maybe it's all of those, to be honest. I don't know. It could be could be all of those. You know, maybe we're thinking a bit black and white with this. Yeah. It's, one, one thing too, Sasha, you know, when we talk about, say, problems with remote viewing, keep in mind the problems with direct daily physical viewing. David alluded to this. We have so much overlay going on just driving down the street. Um, you could look over at two people on, on you know, a corner talking and in your mind, well, they're arguing and because, uh, you know, one is Hispanic and one is Asian, uh, it must be a racial fight and you go on and on and you go over there and you find out it's two friends that haven't seen each other for a year and they're planning coffee. So just even with physical perception, and one uh, interesting, what I call uh, daily AOL or real life AOL that I just went through, there was two simultaneous aid calls right near our house, which is very rare, maybe three a year. So this big response goes into apartment complex and then like 14 cops go chasing a car up the road um, at the exact same time. So my mind is like, oh, okay. So someone must've got murdered or stabbed or assaulted at the apartment complex because that was medic units. And then the assailant did this, that, the other. So I walked up the road being a former firefighter and now officially a looky-loo. Um, and there's a police officer guarding the intersection. And he says, are you trying to figure out what's going on? I'm like, yeah. He said, well, back there, uh, someone called in a heart attack but it wasn't a heart attack. And up here, two kids tried to outrun a state trooper. So these two events were completely unrelated in any way, shape or form. Then they happened at the same time at the same location, which from my point of view is extremely rare. So given my fire department experience, given all this other stuff, I literally built this massive story that I was really certain. I was like, well, of course I know how this works. You know, I've been on eight calls, I've been to the, you know, it was all delusional. And so when I look at what I call real life AOL, we just, when, when we think about our preferences, our dislikes, our memory, our education, our opinions, our wants, our needs, we have so much psychological mess going on continuously that even outside of a session, you could look directly at something and completely miscall it. See, this is why I think it would be helpful to understand if the system is treating data as information or if it can make meaning from it. Because if it can make meaning from the information, then that would explain a lot of the AOLs and it would explain a lot of the, uh, the results that you get that are, that there's a concurrence with, with the, with the target, but it's really off at the same time. Like it sounds the same, but it's it, the meaning is different. Or and so I think if we understood that, or even if we tested it, so that we would make our targets based on a system that isn't going to recognize meaning and it's only going to recognize information. And so then, how you write your question, how you develop your tasking, would have to reflect that and say, okay, if I'm 
if I'm the mediator between myself and the remote viewer and the target um, is only going to be able to make sense of information without the overlay of meaning, then how do I word this in a way that that is not relying on consciousness filling in the meaning gaps, I guess. Yeah, no, and, and I totally agree. I would love to know the answer to your question. What, what is the context of the system? But recently in a talk that Bill Ray did, um, he had tasked uh, two people, at least two people, on Custer's last stand. One of the people found it just horrific and upsetting, yet who's, his wife, who's Native American, had a different experience. So the meaning did come from each individual subjectively. So a Native American might look at Custer as like, yeah, finally, you know, we, we got uh, some hits in there. Whereas, you know, someone else might just go, oh, that's just so terrible. The meaning thing, you know, it's just like if I view a site, um, my aesthetic impact is irrelevant to the target irrelevant. If I look at, uh, if I'm perceiving, let's say, a roller coaster, and I've had bad roller coaster experiences, so my AI is terrified, you know, uncomfortable, dizzy, sick to my stomach, that doesn't say anything about the target. That says something about me. Now, when I get to the EI column, again, I could be perceiving something. So let's say there's a person I'm perceiving another person at the roller coaster and they're scared of roller coasters. So now I have an EI of afraid and uh, seasick and, and dizzy. Their interpretation that I'm picking up on has nothing to do with the roller coaster either. So in those columns of, or, or, or in the, the category of AI, the column of EI and AI, and then intangibles, those kind of cover. Tom McNear To clarify though, I'm not suggesting the differentiation that I'm making between information and meaning. I don't mean the meaning, how it's meaningful to us. Um, I mean the, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I understand. Right? Like I think that there's a differentiation between saying here's this raw data and then here's the meaning. And I think Right. And right. Not necessarily saying, the meaning to me in terms of the emotions or right, right. or the biases, but just but rather maybe the context that it's embedded in. Yeah, no, no. Um, I yeah, anyway, I would, sorry. <laughs> I would love to know the answer to your theoretical experiments because you're correct. Yeah. If we could define those things, that that could make a big breakthrough. I'm just saying in our current state. So if we kick all the way back to whatever the source of this universe is or the space that this universe exists, the physical, the space that the physical universe exists within, is it assigning meaning would definitely be something. So is the entire cosmos upset when a squirrel gets run over? I am if I'm driving down the road and see it, but the universe in its totality might not, you know, so, so your questions are exceptional. I'm just trying to say, Sometimes we pick a little bit on remote viewing and it's, um, it's gaps or, or it's problems or issues, as you put it. Let's keep in mind, wide awake in the same room, we can have the same kind of misinterpretation of events. And, and that was kind of where I was going. 
like I've said many times, you, you're, you have a brilliant way of thinking and you articulate it well. Yeah, good, good, good questions. I still think, though, a major part of the, and uh, not the issue, because I don't see it as an issue, because we can get away around it. But I still think part of the process that uh, causes these uh, hiccups is, is the bandwidth. It's like um, if you're trying to watch a YouTube video and your bandwidth is really low, I, I guess all of us have done this at some point, you can hardly see everything on the screen is all pixelated. That's what remote viewing is like. Whereas, you know, we would really like it to be in the full HD experience where you can actually make out everything's going on on the screen. But that's not just the case. It's the bandwidth is so low. It's like watching that YouTube video at the lowest resolution possible. And it's only after watching it for an hour that you can really start to understand and discern some of the shapes that's going on in the fuzziness. And I think that's the RV process because the bandwidth. But, you know... It, Again, I think we, I'm looking at it too simply. I think it's a combination of loads of different things going on. That's why I'm starting to think that it's a, the universe is conscious and it's alive and it's, um, it's interacting with us. And every time that one of us thinks we may have the secret to remote viewing, it laughs in our face and says, okay, I'll throw you a wobbler and uh, make you think down a different route. But it's, uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I guess it keeps it interesting. It keeps it interesting for me anyway. Because if we did know the, uh, the answers to this, then it might get boring fast but great questions uh who's next uh no one's got their hand up for a question has anyone else got anything they want to add yeah go for it Roman romanis romanis king hi there hiya um it's a couple of things here do you think that other psychic abilities not um i'm, I'm specifying that rv viewing is a psychic ability but obviously there is a, a massive parallel between it um do you think other psychic abilities have similarities and have connections and this is why we get confused when we are remote viewing i spent my uh, a good part of my life doing uh, what i call the classical psychic techniques before i i found rv um clairvoyance mediumship channeling and what else? Tarot, tea leaf reading, sand reading, pretty much everything out there I tried. Um, they're exactly the same as remote viewing. The data feels exactly the same. Other than choosing to be a remote viewer and doing remote viewing, we're deciding to do what we work, uh, the process and way we work in a more scientific manner. So it's, 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 it's doing anything psychic, to be honest, but within a set framework of protocols that try to make it more scientific so that we can try to determine that the only source of information could have been through intuition alone. And that, you know, th those protocols are, uh, that it's always planned. It can't be spontaneous. You always record the data. You're always blind. No one's in the room or the vicinity with you knows anything about the target. And hopefully you have a certain amount of feedback that you can then go back through your data and, and assess its accuracy to see if any intuition actually took place. So that's the, that's roughly the rules that we work within. And any kind of psychic process working in within those rules can be classed as remote viewing. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I don't care how people do it. You know, if you want to stand, you know, if you want to read the entrails of a duck like they used to many hundreds of years ago, if you do it within those protocols, I'm fine with that. If you can give me good accurate data. You know, yeah. I, I work with people all around the world and I don't care if they use CRV or whatever method they want to use. 
it's all about if they work within those rules and they can prove to me that they're getting good data. That's that's all I need to know. Any method they want to use, tarot cards or whatever, speaking to dead people if they want to, as long as they get me the good data, then that's all that's all that matters really. So there is definitely a connection between you all. Yes. Um, excuse my cat whinging in the background. <laughs> that's okay. Um, the uh, the other thing is when when you're doing remote viewing, do you get other senses like you feel the wind, you smell things, you you sense other things within the remote viewing? Yeah, everyone's different within remote viewing. All I can tell you is how it is for me. Um, and I record data from all the senses, so taste, touch, smell, te- temperatures, uh, all that. I record all that, but I don't actually... Like when I'm recording it on the paper, I say to myself, okay, if I'm at the target, what would it smell like? But I don't actually smell that sensation. I just know within me whatever word is appropriate for me to write down for that. And so it's the same with everything else. So if I say to myself, okay, I'm at the target, you know, what's the temperature like? If I write down hot, I don't actually feel hot in any part of my body in any way. I just know that hot is the appropriate word that's relevant for that target. So I write it down. Other people say that they may smell, see, and hear things. Um, I very rarely, if most probably, do not do any of it. It's just internal, really, really, I mean, I mean, really subtle feelings that you have to learn to trust rather than anything else. And that's all RV is in the end. And I tell everyone this all the time: it's learning to trust you, yourself and your internal impressions. Uh, without you know without doubt um when you get to the stage of implicitly trusting every single feeling no matter how weird it is or how subtle it is that's when rv starts to really kick in for people and then become really accurate but yeah that, that's how it's for me other people might see smell taste touch things i i i i can't but they might uh another thing is i've noticed on a few i'm, I'm a member of a few of these uh type of events which are going on at the moment um and it always seems to come the, the issue of money you know, how can we find money how can we find treasure i've got a little story about that which is a little bit weird um my wife and i like we, we're into dowsing we're into psychometry we're into all sorts of things i'm very interested in rv i'm like very new to it so this is this is a, a subject of I really would like to know more about. Um, but one day we decided to sit at the kitchen table and we got a map out of our local area in Cornwall. And we uh, decided, well, what we're going to do is we're going to find some treasure. So we doused the map and it told us that the basic question was we need to find treasure. We need to find treasure. Like that. We need to find treasure which is um, accessible to us. We don't need to dig it. We can walk to it in Cornwall. It's got to be some, you know, gold bullion, whatever it is. So, anyway, the uh, pendulum found this uh, particular point. We literally turned the map over and we asked the same question and it found exactly the same point. So then I asked a few questions and this is where the remote viewing seemed to come in because I was getting more psychic type ability coming through whereby it was giving me um, questions before 
I had the the viewing of it. So I, I had a, I had a question which come through, which was I think is basically what we do. Um, and then it seems like well, you'll find it up this footpath. It's to this particular place. You need to park here. You also need to walk down this path, and you'll see uh, trees which have crossed. And I know it sounds a bit weird, but literally trees which crossed. And we went down this path about half an hour later. We found this place. Bugger me, we found these trees which were crossed. It also said to me before we got there that you'll see a small wall, jump over the wall, and then you'll see a satchel. And in that satchel, there'll be a box. So we went down there. There's the cross. There was a small wall. It was full of stinging nettles. I jumped over it anyway. And uh, being a man that I am, and I found a satchel. I could not, I was ecstatic. I could not believe it. It was one of them geocacher places where somebody had put all the stuff in there. Yeah, it was treasure. It was treasure to other people, but it is exactly where it was told. Yeah. Exactly where it was. And it was, it was just like toys and little books and you got to write your name in it. And yeah. it was mental. Couldn't believe it. Sounds like a great story. Next time you might need to key yourself with valuable treasure or treasure of value. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, valuable treasure is waking yeah. up in the morning and breathing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we do we do equate a lot of what we do with, you know, money. Um, but that's because that's what, how society works. You know, you, you tend to equate a success with people making money, selling services and, and that kind of thing. It's not, it's not always the, you know, the way to do things, but that's just the way people have a look at successes in, in, in our general society, really. Yeah. No, great to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Okay. There were some questions in the chat window. Um, my cast, have I done any interesting crypto card targets I can talk about? I'm just trying to think. Not anything too interesting. We've done some some recently. Uh, we did one a couple uh, last week called Bitcoin SV, um, and most of us, other than Edward, thought that it was a bit of a scam. And uh, the guy behind it's a bit of a scammy type guy as well because he uh, he claims the the if anyone knows anything about cryptos, he claims to be the uh, the originator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, and he's just. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't pan out. It just doesn't make sense. So, yeah. So that was an interesting one because three of us said, oh, this, this feels really dodgy, scammy. This is a dodgy person. And then when you get the feedback and you find out who this person is and, you know, he sues everyone because he claims he's Satoshi Nakamoto and it, it does sound dodgy. So I don't know if that's interesting or not, but it was interesting for us at, at the time. Uh, Kevin asks, I've been practicing RV on and off for a few years now. I noticed a few times I'm spot on, sometimes to a lot, way off. Uh, what can I do to increase accuracy? Well, that's a good question, Kevin. We're all at times uh, off target. Touch wood for me, though. I haven't been off target massively for quite some time. All I can say to you from my perspective, and anyone else feel free to share it on this as well, is for me, it's just, you know, uh, the rules uh, of practice, practice, practice. The more practice you do, the the better you become, uh, and the more luck you know. It's like the harder you work, the more luck you would have, kind of situation. Um, 
yeah just practice and again it's not anything outside of yourself it's learning about yourself really how you process information how it feels as the information comes through you and how you're interpreting that um and learning to trust yourself in the end it's all about trusting yourself and everything that comes through as being valid uh you know even aols are valid information don't think of them as a bad thing that you chuck away uh, aols like you've got huge amounts of information you just interpret it in, in and, and delve to that information in a slightly different way uh, um, one more here uh, a couple more oh, here Baz, can i say one thing real quick yeah go for it yep i see two hands up and i apologize but you said if anybody else um to that question as one who has just completed training in understanding the structure daz is correct it's it's practice but it's also, there's got to be an honesty factor in there. And, and Paul, you know, beat this into me painfully at times. If it's a miss, it's a miss. Call it a miss. Don't overemphasize your misses. So for instance, one target I was given was a, a very natural target in the middle of nowhere that probably can be considered very, very low entropy. About a quarter mile away was a, a mining operation with all kinds of equipment and noise and whatever was going on there. And I drew very nice uh, renditions of what was going on at that. So at first it's like, oh, look, I got this. Oh, and then did it. And the, the reality is if I were to keep entertaining that, I'm encouraging my perceptual system to do that. So through multiple errors of that type of thing, finding myself more interested um, in something near the target as opposed to the target itself, once it got through to me, and not just Paul, but a couple of other experienced viewers, Russell, that's a miss, it doesn't matter. And then when you get a hit, you really need to, as I've told Dawn, celebrate that. Celebrate every correct perception. So when you go through a session after getting a feedback, you can even use the uh, in-session feedback format that uh, is described in the CRB manual. Go down and, and if you got blue, put a C for correct. If you miss something, just don't acknowledge it. No, there's no punishment for missing. Um, you got something, let's, let's say there was a fountain near the target, you could write, you know, N for near or CFB for camp feedback. Even if you do a session and the only thing you got was a blue that was correct, celebrate, inwardly celebrate and reward and be grateful for getting blue. And that acknowledging in a very happy, joyful way what you did get and not emphasizing or uh, propping up what you didn't get, even if it was accurate. And the more you hone your intention to describe what needs to be described per the tasker and ultimately per the client, you're trying to solve a problem for somebody. And in retrospect, you might see that you missed something and you remember, well, that was interesting because that was kind of a loud, you know, word that popped in. And then the thing you got correct, then you go, you know, that's weird. That was kind of just slipped in there quietly, actually surprised me a little. So in the rear view mirror, 
you could start to sort out how an incorrect perception felt versus a correct one. But no matter what, the honesty, the, the just the bare, yep, that's a miss. And that tells your system, don't do that. And the other one says, do more of this. And that's, that's what you want. Ingrid never had punishment built into misses. They were just acknowledged by, by silence. So, so try, you know, try that and, and see, because all of a sudden I went from being a quarter of a mile away to, you know, an eighth of a mile away to next door. And then finally I was on the target, but it was only when I gave up rewarding myself for, if you will, accurate misses. Yeah, that's great advice, Russell. I think we were all probably uh, doing that in our early days of re of remote viewing. I know I when I did my first year's worth of RV, if you know, when I got my feedback, you know, if I couldn't see any any correspondence to my my session, I would go out of my way to go on the internet and try to find everything I could just to just to see where I went off and try to find you know try to find. And it, not an excuse, but try to find data that would match my data. So yeah, I think oh, yeah. we've all been there. Yeah, we, we, absolutely. And, and, and one that I did, um, and it's just still one of the greatest embarrassments, I almost turned red thinking about it. My very first homework after basic classroom that I sent to Paul was a miss. And I literally sent him a four page justification for the miss. I went to the uh, actual live cam at the site. Well, I got the weather correct and this, that. And then I got to the point, well, yeah, there was some volcanic, uh, you know, materials in the area or whatever it was. And it's like, Russell, the entire globe had volcanism in it, okay? So you can go anywhere and find a volcanic rock. And so I went to four pages and after that humiliation, but then along the way, by, by like you said, being excited at first, like, whoa, you know, Paul just said, okay, are you done proving to yourself this works? Are you done convincing yourself? And I, I'm like, I guess not. I mean, I'm so excited I got something right. And I realized, you know, part of me is just in the state of disbelief and was excited at anything that was correct, even if it was a quarter mile away. And when he asked me that question, I finally realized, yeah, it works. Now do it right. Okay. Yeah. And I actually have something to add to that uh, question, if I may. Um, so I think it was Lori Williams, uh, if I remember right. She gave some really good advice that stuck with me, where uh, if you're starting to get good data when you're practicing, when you're starting to get good data, stop. Because what she tended to find was that the subconscious mind was training you. So basically, and vice versa, where, you know, if your subconscious mind is maybe getting bored of the target, it will stop providing data, knowing that you'll stop the session thinking you're done. So stop at the peak, and then you train your mind, hey, if you want to be done with this, give me some good data, and then I'll be done with it. Uh, and so that kind of stuck with me. I've not put it into as much practice yet. Uh, it's kind of like an A-B split test uh, to see how it's impacted sessions yet. Uh, but I found it interesting. Excellent. Did you also have a question, Rich, that you want to ask? Uh, uh, yeah, not really a question, but something uh, for uh, Romanus King uh, based off of his story. So 
I wasn't sure how many people on here are familiar with the Randonautica app, but basically it's an app. And if I remember right, it uses random number generators to basically sync your intention up with a location within like a mile radius of you for something that you want. So you uh, basically make the intention to see a, a deer or an owl or, or whatever. And uh, there's on Reddit, there's been a lot of successes and it might be survivorship bias, uh, but there's been a lot of successes with it. And so one thing people have found is let's say your intention is to find treasure. Well, it seems like the universe works kind of like lightning where it chooses the path of least resistance to accomplish the intention that you have. So if your intention is treasure, you know, and, and in the case of the Randonautica app, uh, you know, what are the chances that there's a buried treasure a mile away from you, you know, especially where I live. Um, so maybe it will take you to a sign that says treasure or maybe chalk art on the sidewalk that some kid wrote the word treasure on. Uh, so I think it might apply in your case there, Romanus, of, you know, you had the intention of finding treasure and it, the universe gave you what you wanted, but, uh, you know, so it goes back to wording, tasking, I think, correctly and, and all that stuff. Sorry. <laughs> you babysitting there, Rich? Oh, oh, our first RV baby. Yeah, she's my little experiment. So I'll see how early you can start training people. <laughs> Thanks, Hi, Rich. Uh, I think uh, who's up next? I think Tracy's up next, then then Pablo. That was good multitasking, Rich. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> right, good evening, everyone. Um, got like a simple question, really, to take it back to kind of basics um kind of i come across a video a few years ago of the jfk um review dance and from that moment i was hooked i was like wow this is crazy like how the mind and consciousness works um and i was just wondering like why everyone decided they wanted to remote view because everyone on here they're talented remote viewers and what made you all think wow like this is crazy i want to learn how to do this so this is open for anyone who wants to answer, really. Who wants to go first? Hi, Tracy. What, what I can share? I can ask, uh, sorry, I can answer. I, for one moment, I was switching back to Spanish, sorry. So Tracy, the reason I started with RV is uh, I was doing research in physics. Um, the, the person I was working with told me, RV worked as a really nice, super uh, powerful microscope, and that's how I started. So it was looking for a practical tool, and then I got into this bigger world that keeps expanding every time I keep researching a little bit more. So, so that's what I can show right now. Anyone else? Well, I guess I could say that um, I just saw this as one more experiment in life. You know, I was reading these books at an early age about ghost stories and, uh, um, you know, these gurus and whatever, you know, that had powers and, you know, is it real? Is it fiction? Um, you know, you don't know. You're just reading the book. It sounds pretty interesting. Um, and, and then I, I heard about this remote viewing thing and, uh, you know, it was an experiment, really. I wanted to find out what would happen. And here we are. 
go for it, Romanis. Yep. You're on mute. Right. Hiya. Um, yeah, I got into it. I, I'm, I don't know about these Zoom things. I don't know how to put your hand up or anything, so I just do it. Um, I, uh, I got into it purely because I used to do a lot of dowsing. I used to do a lot of metal detecting. I did um, uh, A-level in archaeology. I've done all sorts of weird things. But I always found a question. I, how come I knew more information about things, where something I could find on the beach was, like Rich said earlier, um, maybe there's a connection there, but I could find things without knowing I could find things. So it was just interesting to push it further afield, other sides of the world. Um, and... Yeah, I've, I've had some major downfalls with it, but I've had some really good results with it as well. So, I'm, and I am just getting into it, I must admit. So, that's my story with it. Anyone else got a story to share? I'll share mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go on, Rich. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, David. Uh, yeah, so I guess mine started. So, I used to be, my dad is, was a minister. Uh, so I started off very, very, very Christian, uh, and I started dating this one girl who was an atheist, and so I was always afraid for her soul. So I thought I'd read up on books on atheism to learn how she thought so that I could convince her otherwise, and then it completely backfired on me, and I became the atheist. <laughs> and uh, so then I found out, I think it was a, uh, a 60 Minutes episode where they were going over David Morehouse in his book, The Psychic Warrior. And uh, so that stuck with me and I just got the itch because I thought, oh, you know, here's a way that, you know, the U.S. government has kind of proven to itself that it's a valid way to psychically get information. So I thought uh, it'd be a good way to actually figure out what the truth is of everything. And then now that I've gotten older and more experienced and learned things, uh, the limitations of remote viewing and other things, uh, kind of right back where I was of of it not being the full arbiter of truth, especially for those esoteric uh, things where you can never really fully know. But that's what got me interested in it. I've been here ever since. So I, I got into it because I could test it in a scientific way. I, I didn't used to believe in any of this stuff at all. Um, and then I kind of realized, like, I've, I've missed a trick here. Some of this weird stuff's got to be real, but all of it seems so hokey and weird. Like. I need to find something that I can actually test. And so I spent like three months down the YouTube rabbit hole looking at all the really stupid, weird stuff. And finally saw like the, the Russell Targ band's TED talk, which wasn't actually banned. Um, and was like, well, this sounds just as stupid and weird as everything else, but I can test it. So I will. And then it worked. Um, and it's really cool. And I'm still doing it two and a half years later. Excellent. Anyone else want to share or should I go last? Uh, real quick, David, I'm sorry. Did you say two and a half or 10 and a half years? How long have you been doing it? Only two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> Mine is just a quick one. Um, it happened early age to me. I, um, I just started to tell my parents and my friends when things were happening. Um, I used to live in a public house. My parents owned a, a pub. 
um, from birth to the age of 16. And um, I started getting an urge to go up to people and telling them about themselves and telling them that what was happening in their life and um, what was going to happen and what had happened. Um, and, I, and I just thought it was normal. Um, got to about, I don't know, about 18 or 19. And then I used to get terrible urges, <laughs> urges, it sounds terrible, um, to actually uh, approach certain people, um, especially people with certain conditions, medical conditions. Um, and I could freely and openly tell them about certain medical conditions they had. Epilepsy was an easy one. Um, certain conditions that you just, you'd see the person and you would, you'd know what they'd got, but then you, these reams of pictures would come um, about their, their life history, their events, their, um, and not, not as upfront, but what was going to happen. Um, and unfortunately it, it can be a hindrance as well, because um, like I told my mother, when my, my, uh, my nan and granddad were going to die and, and they did very quickly afterwards, um, quite a few tragedies. I move away from that now. I've learned to control that. Uh, but for me, it was about controlling it, um, controlling it and um, not just going off on my own. Without, I didn't listen to anybody else. I didn't want to be polluted by any. I, I heard other people's ideas. Oh, it's because of this, it's this. I wanted to follow myself and my own um, uh, experiences, but not, not to the, not to have them, as I say, polluted by anyone else's. And RV gave me a, a way of narrowing that down um, and following a set of rules. A bit like being on a, on a on a horse in a rodeo, just oh god, yeah, crazy. Or being on a on a horse that's trained, um, you know, got its sights set on one thing uh, and a lot more stable. Um, so it helped me quite dramatically. Um, and it also reduced the need to approach people, um, which, uh, you know, they, some people are great, some people, um, but some people are like, whoa, you know, no, I'm sure Daz knows this because, I, I mean, I, I've done some spiritualist church work as well, mm. but that wasn't, that wasn't my thing. I mean, some people want to know, oh, tell me more, tell me more, come on, wow, wow. And I don't like doing that. That's, I like to, I've like, that's a long time ago now. Um, so the only the only time I do anything like that now is is in RV. Um, but it's I think for any RV, the frustrating thing is when when you want to know certain things yourself, you can't RV yourself, or you shouldn't. Um, so it's it's sort of a, a bittersweet in a way. But that that's my experience. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I know what you mean with the. Uh telling people and the last time I unsolicited sent some information to someone and it was remote viewing it nearly got me arrested well, yeah. <laughs> and it, it made me a suspect in a serial rapist case well. so don't don't <laughs> go doing that people oh, no. yeah. um for me though uh yeah finding remote viewing was uh yeah it was yeah I say it was my destiny because when I was 15 years old and I wrote a psychic diary back then for classical training uh, I literally wrote in the diary in 1985 that um, uh, one day I would find a way, uh, a technique that would allow me to time travel with the mind and essentially 
seven or so years later, I heard about remote viewing and then training it several years after that. So yeah, it's just always been on the cards for me. I, I, I think, you know, one of, one of my life goals, I guess. Pablo, you've had your hand up for a while. Would you like to ask your question? Absolutely. More than a question, Das was sharing a little bit on experience in, in RV for, for overall discussion, right? So when, whenever I hear discussions like what, what Russell was sharing, right, whether my session is right or wrong, when I try to force it to be right or everything, it reminds me of perception, right? You could have three people at the same spot trying to describe the same thing, and everyone will do it a little bit different. And if you, you got the, the usual one that is not paying attention to details, they will even change the colors or something like that. Then you've got, you got the real picky one and will tell something that no one else noticed. And uh, from my own experience, I found out that RV works more or less the same way. Three more people can be RVing the same thing and you will get slightly different results. Some will be good, some will be bad. But again, the same viewer can be having a bad day and that will also impact the, the quality of their extended perception. And I bring this up because this is part of something that has been discussed in, in previous series, or even Lynn Buchanan said it once, that we need to keep experimenting, right? And one of the ways to experiment with RV, I, I think is like what Ingo was sharing in his books and in his writings. You know, you need to find out how you are working and use that as a reference and try to experiment over that. And I mean, what I mean by this is that and sorry, I will go one step backward, but is that I found out that many people, when they find out about RV, they want fast results. They want everything to go really smooth. One day they already are getting, you know, detailed drawings about everything, but that's not the way things work. We have a learning curve. It's like exercising. You can boost it up with a lot of, of drugs and everything else, but that doesn't mean you will get really strong. You may look strong. You, you may convince yourself that you strong but that's not the same way real life workout works right so you know one of the key things that that really kind of changed my experience is i got trained originally in trv and although there's a lot of experimenting down there for example what, what everyone was discussing previously about the targets and which words to use and how they they turn out and so on there was also a little bit of of moving to a side that the role of the ideogram, you know, trying to get a practical way of looking at it and, and trying to reduce the, the, the time you use in, in the ideogram and everything else. But, you know, when I started pulse training uh, through the DVDs, of course, no, not essential right now, but when, when, when we were doing, or at least I was doing alongside the, the virtual class, the, the ideogram drills, and Paul started talking about retracing and so on. It came to my mind, you know, I do retracing all the time and not just in RV. For example, when I had those college professors that were really crazy and wanted to torture you, and, you know, you couldn't even get a calculator to the exam and, and you had to remember everything, you will end up retracing things, diagrams and everything in your mind. Or if you're playing music, you do exactly the same thing. And, you know, Checking one of my toddlers, you know, she learned to walk probably one year ago and now she, she jumps and so on. But when she's sleeping, kind of sleepwalking, you see how her, her dreams or her subconscious is driving some of the real movements, like with the ideogram, right? So, you know, it, it got myself thinking, you know, where else have I done this? I remembered pendulum readings 
And you know, if you, you can really spot when someone is faking pendulum readings and when they're not, but it's about how your body reacts. And if you pay attention to that and you experiment, you can improve what you're doing there. And that's why even though some people say the ideograms in CRV, classical CRV are a waste of time. I don't think so. You know, we need to think a little bit different that it's not about saving time. It's about you know, getting the correct procedure. Nature, even, you know, when you get your lucky move or your lucky sign or whatever, if you analyze that, that happened to me, you end up, you know, finding out that even if you thought that gave you luck, probably you only got it 50-50%. It's just a mind thing that, that you are doing constantly. And talking about experimenting and on Dimi's question, no, Russell posted another thing, uh, and I'm I'm really into that. You know, trying to experiment and get a little bit deeper. I probably will never get the answers, but it's fun. At least finding out. There were a few experiments that were really interesting and related to English ex uh, initial experiences, right? Like uh, Charles Littlefield's experiments with crystals. So he would prepare a salt a salt solution, then he will start. You know, if the crystal started behaving some some way he will think about the, the, the letters, you know, the alphabet letters. And he got all 26 letters. And sorry if I'm adding something there, probably I'm thinking in Spanish, but uh, the, the thing is that he got all the forms and there are no possible chances that that's happening randomly. So, so he did a lot of stuff that can be measured in the, in the lab where, where the, the solution is altered just by thinking about it. There's another experiment by, by the Meta Science Foundation where they kind of set up a, a radio feedback transmitter, very simple, nothing you know complex. And they were trying to communicate you know, with the deceased. However, they noted that in one of the setups, the person without touching anything, without doing anything, was capable of feeding back changes in the system, willingly, just with the mind. So that kind, kind of, you know, move la, like in a, in a sense, saying that the mind can interact outside of, of everything else, even a little bit like, you know, when, when we think like Penrose's uh, discussions about consciousness, he thinks it can be outside of even the material world. So I'm encouraging everyone to keep experimenting, observing, and, and you know, keep improving the, the, the CRV or RV in general. That, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Pablo. Does anyone have any uh, comments to, to add to that? Come on. Don't be shy. <laughs> I guess not then. Is there um, any repository, Daz, for... I mean, obviously, we're like armchair scientists, <laughs> and and I guess the pro is that we're not trained. Most of us, I can't speak for everybody, obviously. I'm not trained as a scientist, but I like to think I'm scientific. But obviously, I'm not ruling out everything when I'm designing or thinking of an experiment. Is there uh, an online? I don't know something more robust than just an online community to record our individual uh experiments and to have feedback on that of maybe things that we've missed in doing controls or anything like that that you're aware of not that i'm aware of uh which le leads me actually to a question i was going to ask uh, at the beginning of this if no one had any questions which was uh in reference to uh the international remote viewing association because i was i was thinking about them and what they offer 
uh, and what do what do the you know the RV community want? Uh, and I, one of my questions was, what public projects or services will we as remote viewers like to see for the for the community? And your question pretty much, I think, asked for one of those needs. Really, you know, a central maybe repository where people can put that kind of information up, projects up, ask for advice, criticism, maybe feedback. I think so. And I think it'd be good. And I know that there's kind of a schism in the community between purists of the CRV route and uh, kind of uh, maybe not, not, not even that, I shouldn't say, but and taking remote viewing to the next level. Obviously, CRV is a well-defined thing. So CRV for its purposes, Peringo Swan, I think is kind of a box. And we, obviously, we, we've already had kind of this discussion before as a, a, a group. Uh, but then I think just remote viewing is the overall umbrella. I think obviously we're all on the same page that there's so much more to look into and we don't have all the answers and all this. So I think if there would be some sort of communal database and where we could see what other people have experimented on and kind of do our own AB split testing. Uh, and then just as a community, there's a lot of a lot of spinning around in the same circle, I feel, but maybe not so much uh, public progress. I don't know of anything to date um, other than Facebook kind of sorts that need out a little bit, but in a really terrible, unprofessional way of organizing things. Um, but okay, no, I don't, I don't have know. Facebook, so I've not been familiar with that. So, right. Actually, I mean, all that kind of stuff happens on Facebook in an, Facebook in an ad hoc social okay. environment kind of way. But there's no Facebook's so bad. There's no way to organize threads, uh, you know, put them okay. in, in any kind of order. Really, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of the thing that I would have thought Irvo would be doing for us by now. That sure, isn't maybe that might not be their their mandate. Um, yeah. So all I can say is no. I don't know of any central place that that does that. And we have to be honest with ourselves. I'm not sure if the RV community is ready for it yet, because, you know, there is a lot of uh, tribalism within remote viewing, like, um, but there is within any subject, you know, you go, if you, yep. if you, if you go to the UFO board, you should see the tribalism within, within that, you know, the different camps who hates who doesn't agree with each other. And it's probably the same with any kind of endeavor right there, especially, you know, science related Endeavors. I think so too. There's a reason that Christianity has 1,100 denominations. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it would be hard to get everyone to to work together under one roof. Anyway, you'd find that you know if I like if I set something up like that tomorrow as a website or something a resource, um, I think it would be hard to get all the different camps to come and use it um, because some camps wouldn't like it because I did it, and some camps wouldn't like it because someone else went on there. We just have to be honest. They are you know, RV at the moment. Although you know these community chats and what we're doing is fantastic because we are getting people together. There are some. There are natural divides and tribalism within RV, uh, like you said with the CRV against. See, I don't see. I've I've never seen it as a problem, but I think there are one or two people on some of the Facebook groups that do make. Uh, allegations against crv being uh, counterproductive and stuff uh i don't i don't personally see that's that's the case i think they're uh, escalating the problem for their own benefit really um well 
One thing real quick to Ridge. Are you a member of Applied Free Cognition Project, Ridge? I'm I'm terrible, I guess, when it comes to the community. I'm not part of Irva or that or like anything. <laughs> okay. yeah, just yeah, these Zoom Zoom, Reddit, um, and uh, Discord basically are my three if, outlets for remote. If you get a chance, um, in the same DAVs, I don't know if you have seen Tom McNear's recent stage seven talk. He made a graphic of his last 19 sessions. And I can't remember exactly how many he named the target precisely. Um, he had all the specifics. So, Obviously, I'm one that, that, that's a CRB purist, which could change over time. I, I love to change with information. But whether we say that it's in a box or it's confined, what Tom McNear did with it is mind-blowing. And if you get to see that presentation, now he will be doing the same presentation again for Irva. I believe it's in October. If you get a chance to see the real stage seven, he has documents, some of which are not in the archives, things from how, how stage seven spontaneously appeared. But that one graphic, the one graphic that shows his results in his final, it was supposed to be 20 sessions, um, ended up being 19. It's, it's mind blowing what he did with that. And not just that, I've seen sessions of Daz. I've seen sessions of Paul's brand new students that will blow your mind. And in retrospect, like Daz, we have to remember, Ingo was a natural psychic and he studied theosophy and he studied this and he studied that. He had childhood experiences where, you know, in his autobiography he talks about uh, his dad came home one night and said, oh yeah, I had to work late. And he's like, well, no daddy, you, I can see you at the bar with your friends. And he got taken out behind the woodshed and whooped for you know, having a correct perception. So even a, a psychic of the caliber of Ingo, he refined this process for a specific reason. Now, where I get misunderstood is this, I recognize the natural psychic, I recognize no processes. I recognize Dick Algeyer's amazing work. I recognize that Lynn and Laurie's students, some of them are significantly better than myself. I've seen their reports, you know, and so forth. So all of that, it's just when people come along and try to attribute something to the creators of CRV, not just Ingo, but Hal and others, where it can be fairly demonstrably proven that, that it probably didn't come from that. So I never pick on any method where the person, like even TRV, I was trained in TRV. I see what Ed Ames was trying to achieve. And I know TRV people that just kick my butt. Like I look at their sessions and I'm like, wow. Okay. So when it comes to purism, it's, it's just a matter. Ed Dame said, I created this. Courtney Brown said, I created this. Uh, all these people along the line with these different methods, they own their uh, TBS, uh, Prudent. I created this. And then the other people that are carrying that on with uh, or some, 
everybody should do what they want to do. Everybody should create a method if they want to create a method. Just try to, to be considerate of assigning something to a method that may, may not have, have, have come from Ingo or, or the co-creators. You know, I know I make a lot of people mad. I got, you know, phone calls and PMs after a certain post, you know, and I just delete it and I just say, okay, that's fine. There's no part of me that's trying to upset anybody. I've just simply chosen a path for myself. It's self-appointed. Okay, there's no, you know, righteousness or, you know, God-given uh, tasking on this. I just think as much as possible, we should reconsider and return to some of the original stuff. That's it. I think it's needed, to be honest. I'm seeing some things go so far out into left or right field, you know, so, so, you know, explore, create, but own your creation. Say, I took this from here and I took that from there. Ingo took, he took the ideogram from the 1800s. He took this from there. He took that from there. He, he made a, a quilt, basically. He didn't, he never said, I'm just a soul. This came out of me and me only. He participated in history and put something together and he claimed it is his. And, and that's all I'm saying. I, I, I just, you know, I get so frustrated sometimes. And, and look, it's my fault. I, I'm too rough, too direct, not very diplomatic um, at times and different things. But I'm trying to fight a stream of something, a tendency I see, where, where it's like Ingo's almost absent from certain camps of remote viewings. Like he never existed. And, and anyways... I'm entitled to one tirade and that's it. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, me and Russell have butted heads on, on some of this stuff at times, um, but I totally agree with what he's saying. There is some amazing stuff there. I mean, I'm looking, right. I'm going through some Ingo files right now. Uh, I'm going through four years of research Ingo did on what he called analytics, um, which is numbers, words, and, and things in documents and stuff. Uh, he did work on that from 19, uh, 1994 to 1998. Hundreds, literally hundreds and thousands of, of experiments over long distance. Um, and he does document that he came up with some amazing breakthroughs of that. And I read these breakthroughs and I've read them now five times over and over. And they just, they're just so mind-blowing and so big that I just can't take them. I just literally cannot take them in. I, like, I have to keep going through them but they are you know he was a uh, he came up with some breakthrough ideas that were behind uh, for example displacement in in arv uh when he was looking at analytics and stuff so there's still a lot what i'm trying to say is there's still also lots of stuff actually in the ingo archives and beyond uh, that hasn't come out yet which could be a huge benefit to the to the rest of us in in remote viewing yeah and like Dow says you know our conflict occasional conflict is you know, well-known, but it's also become a dialogue, okay? There's things that I would have never known that Daz shared with me. There's things that he's pointed out that I miss, you know, and I contend hard, but I always recant. I try to be clear when it's an opinion versus something. And so Daz and I have developed this dialogue. It could be oppositional or it could be complementary. And up to this point, it's fairly complementary. I will have to say mostly complimentary 
where he points me to a document. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. I didn't see that. And there's a whole bunch of new uh, stuff that just got put on um, the University of West Georgia public archives. Uh, a lot of uh, Tom McNear's uh, stage one sessions, essays uh, from students in the experimental phase before he started with Tom McNear, stuff where he was playing with remote viewing. And I think the earliest one I saw was 1971 where there was no structure. And you know, so there's more coming a good portion that could completely disrupt current opinions I have, and that's fine. If it comes from Ingo, if it comes from Hal, if it comes from SRI, if it comes from experienced viewers, then so it is. And then all I have to do is say, hey, I'm sorry, I argued over that, I lost the argument, and now we go forward. So that that's the way I look at Daz and I's difference. Um, you know, he's shared his platform here with me numerous times, back and forth. If I find something really super cool, I'll private message him a, a document it, it, and that's the way it's got to be it's got to be a dialogue and at the same time I think at least for CRV uh, interested people there there's a little bit of a boundary I, I don't think we could just leap off into another universe and call it CRV yeah yeah but yeah uh, back to the community thing it would be a great tool um I just don't know whether it'd be worth building it because of the divisions. Um, otherwise, I would build it, you know, because I'd like to do as much as I can. Uh, but, you know, if we carry on having discussions like this to find out what kind of things you guys need as up-and-coming remote viewers, then maybe we can all club together and, and build some of these mechanisms. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, through the Reddit community, there's a uh, a Discord, which is essentially mainly a an audio chat area many of us meet up there virtually virtually every night of the week for two three hours having rv chats uh on a you know on a really kind of ad hoc but friendly basis uh, so there's there's tools like that either and reddit community has you know some of these tools that rich was kind of asking for but in a in a in a, a more informal way i would say at this point Des. That's, sorry, just adding to that, you know, I, I, I kind of know the feeling behind Rich's question because it would be amazing to just have, you know, the funds, the equipment, everything, the resources to do a really nice research and expand everything. But unfortunately, that's not, that's not how things work. You know, there's a lot of people that really don't care about the, the research. They will say, if I got something, I will fund it. If I don't get anything, I will not. But if you think about uh, Ingo, he, he even himself said it many times, he could have been making a lot more money in other things, like painting and some so other things. And he didn't do that because he, he wanted something in return. He found a passion. He knew when he was entering college in biology that he will, will sometime in the future do so, or at least he named that. He also shared in the true history of remote viewing how he feared things were going outside of control, you know. But at the same time, he wrote uh, psychic, uh, you know, uh, literacy, and he he was looking for for the psychic renaissance. So that's that's what really inspired me to come back to to RV. I got a break a few years, and then you know, many things happened. I came by this book, and you know, it really gave me those insights. And, you know, I don't need a million dollars to do research. Uh, I'm really fond of these meetings, of everything that, that you're sharing. 
uh, I, I love the discussions, even if they can get a little bit, you know, itchy, but, you know, that's amazing because if that is not happening, then we are not advancing, but we collectively are advancing just by doing it, by uh, sharing experiences and by being here. I, I'm aware of the tribalism and the people that is going over the edge. Unfortunately, they, they are letting go many good things. However, that, that will happen. We need, we can get perfect. And, you know, following your, 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 your trend uh, does of, of motivational, um, you know, posts or, or videos. There, there's one amazing in America Got Talent recently, a girl that is really ill, but, but she said, we cannot wait for everything to be perfect, to be happy. Yeah. So the same thing applies for, for, for me. We cannot wait for everyone to agree and everything. We just need to continue. And eventually we'll get where Ingo wanted to, to get, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is a great, you know, community forum. And if you guys, uh, that's why I want to ask the question, if there's any kind of projects or services that you feel would be beneficial for the community, let's, let's just discuss them and see if we can collectively get together and make them, you know, some kind of reality. You know, there are enough people here from all different formats and, and forums that we should be able to not together whatever anyone needs to take rv to more levels got lots of hands out sasha's had her hand up for all do you want to go next sasha thank you um so i wanted to answer to the question about arva and i guess what they could maybe do differently or um i do think you, you had mentioned earlier that we should it would be nice if we could be doing more experiments because a lot of the information remote viewing I think maybe is getting a bit stale from a certain perspective um, and we have a lot of anecdotal information that comes out but it's, it's really hard to make use of that in a way that's constructive um, and so I would see to me Irva has thousands of members does it not so to me it would make sense that that they would have uh, that they would offer a means for people to participate in experiments, to organize experiments, to, um, to get together in real life and online. I had, after the, the IRVA SSC conference a couple of years ago, during the conference, I don't know, I just kind of came up with something that I thought would be able to test um, some of the theories about displacement timelines versus whatever else. And, and I approached someone who has access to remote viewing groups. And I said, I have this experiment based on some of the interesting new information that came out at the conference. And could I avail myself of your remote viewing groups to see if any of them want to participate because I have an experiment in mind that I think would be really interesting and, and could provide interesting results that would allow us to have more to talk about in a way. And I think that the person I approached was very worried that I might disprove their favorite theory of, of what's happening with displacement. So they just shut me down. They were like, nope, I don't feel comfortable with the ethics of, of and I was like, well, I, I don't need you to, to give me their information. You can just give them my information and say, look, I'm interested in doing this study if anyone wants to contact me to participate. And, and he wouldn't do it. And I think something like Arba, um, to me, it would just make sense that they would have a way to facilitate that kind of thing. So if I have an idea that I can put it out there, and if you have the, 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 the tools or the space and, and 
a list of remote viewers, I don't know, or if remote viewers want to participate and they think, oh, that experiment sounds good. Um, it, it seems to me that that would be the place to have these things set up rather than doing them through Discord where you're only really getting a certain portion of the population that, that there's, is maybe more. To be honest, though, um, there's probably more people on Facebook in RV and in Discord and Reddit in RV than there is in Irva. Yeah, I know, and that right, and that's a problem. I mean, if we if if we ran a poll now of the twenty nine people in this group, uh, I could put a poll on, or you know, uh, and asked who who's a member of Verva. I bet it is. I bet is a is hardly any of the people here in 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 this chat. I mean, I am, but I haven't always been. I go, I go, I blow hot and cold with Verva because. Every now and again, they wind me up with their inability to do anything. And I, don't get me wrong, I, I like the idea of Verva. And when John and Pam came on, they gave a great talk. But, you know, Irva has always been a lot about talking, not about action. You know, they did both say at the time when they came on, oh, yeah, we'll go more on Facebook, we'll be more on Reddit, we'll be more on everywhere else. That was several months ago now, and they haven't, they haven't followed up on any of those actions. Yeah. So... Uh, but they do have a mechanism in place for doing those kind of projects at the moment on a small basis. It's called the War Collier Award. So you, you submit an idea for a project. It goes before a council in Irva. If they like it, then you, they, you, can, you can win a small grant and help to, to set up the project. But I think that might only be for Irva members. Yeah, and also... Um... You have to give three references and you have to give your curriculum vitae. Um, and so I think that's a stumbling block for some um, and for others. Like, I don't necessarily want the people who would provide reference letters for the Work Collier Prize know that I'm, <laughs> I'm dabbling in, in, in sci research necessarily. Um, so I, I think that there's stumbling blocks there. But that's what I would like to see and, and, and not have it behind an excessive paywall. So maybe you could have the membership to Irva, but if you want to just have access to this place where you can look at experiments that are ongoing or that are being suggested and you want to participate or you want to collaborate, then maybe there's a small fee that you pay just to access that forum, maybe $5 a month yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's a great idea, but to be honest, we, we don't need Irva to do anything like that. We could easily do that through any of the social platforms, really. Yeah. Uh, it just needs a couple of people to 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 do it. If you're if you're volunteering, <laughs> it might actually because something, yeah, something that I'm would be interested in in seeing happen. And if it's not going to happen, then then I would put my time towards that. Yeah, it's definitely that kind of thing's needed, and that's why it's great to have these kind of talks to you know to see if we can get some of these projects off the ground. Uh, anything to help all of us, really. That's why I was asking the question. What you know? What you know? I, I know what I need you know, in RV, but I don't know what everyone else wants and what they need. I just put up what I think they need. So, you know, I do the videos from this. I stick up a, a new podcast, I check articles on my thing, and I do my magazine and stuff. But is that really what you guys need? What, you know, I, I, what I'm hearing is you want resources, like, you know, an area where we can do projects, record projects. I mean, something else that came up in previous discussions, would it be good for everyone in the community if there was some kind of matchmaking tool where remote viewers could register on a place 
and then be matched with project managers and projects and taskers, but also taskers and project managers could also register and then be matched with remote viewers and stuff. Would that kind of tool also be uh, of use to the RV community? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it would, but you know, it mean it would mean a lot of work. And so you'd want to know before you put the work in that people would actually use, use the tool. I think it would be helpful. I don't know about other people, but I'm not sure if I need anything more from you, Daz. Um, but I would like to contribute more, you know? Um, and so I feel like there's not really a, uh, a mechanism for that. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, talking like this in the community is good. Cause if we do come up with some ideas, we can, you know, there's must be ways that all of us can contribute in, in small ways, even if it's just helping out with adminning a, a forum once a week or sending out an email or two or something. But yeah, maybe we should run a poll or of course, but Rich doesn't use Facebook, so we can't we can't run a poll or something on Facebook because he wouldn't get to see it. Maybe we'll have to connect everyone's question. email addresses or something and then uh <laughs> you know ask what kind of tools people want and see what we can uh see if we can get some of us to group up together to to produce some of these tools for people. Is Facebook the predominant? Am I am I missing out by being a stick in the mud with Facebook? Or am I getting pretty much everything with Discord and Reddit? Uh, I would say that a lot more wider RV community stuff gets shared on Facebook than it does on Reddit and Discord. Shoot. Okay. But then you have to deal with it being Facebook and being on Facebook. I As agree someone... from, the, from the Reddit perspective, we skew so beginner. We're, we're like the place where people are landing when they first hear about remote viewing. And they might have heard about remote viewing from a TV show or Stephen Greer or whatever. We, we do not have nearly as much like active professional expertise on hand all the time um, as on Facebook. And so there's a lot of good history and a lot of good um, threads of information from professionals. It's nice to have that expertise there. Um, but uh, at the same time, we don't have as many explosive arguments. And I'd kind of like to keep it that way as well. I think most of us would on Reddit and on Discord like to keep things friendlier and informal and not so so much like a battleground that people are afraid to speak out as i think some people are, are afraid to speak out on facebook i think that happens in it in pretty much every community though doesn't it yeah but there are places where it's tolerated more and places where it becomes more common and where the people in charge also like join in and then that sort of sets a tone as well. And so we do not right now tolerate that sort of thing. And we haven't really had to bring the hammer down very often on Reddit or on Discord and, and we're grateful. So we, we kind of like to keep it that way. Um, Facebook, just the, the personalities there, some of these battles go back 40 years, you know, there are egos <laughs> that, that, disagree, that disagree and same thing in Irva, right? So people just kind of wash up in the middle of, battlegrounds they don't realize that an instant question can turn into like a really heated argument and I, I don't feel that's productive um I, I've always tried to pitch in how I can in the community knowing what little I know and doing what little I do and sometimes for doing that I've been told that like I don't deserve it that I don't deserve to be to be have the position that I have which is to help moderate remote viewing communities um so just being at the position I'm at has given me heat 
from people on Facebook. And uh, so I can't recommend Facebook as a really friendly place for beginners. You're pretty much going to be told to slot in with one camp or another and get in line with somebody else's philosophy or way of looking at things or else you're going to get your head chewed off. And honestly, I've had about enough of that. And, and sometimes from people who really are cuddly in public um, it, in certain ways can be really venomous in others and privately, and it's absolutely disgusting. And so I'm finally venting about that a little bit. Um, well, but uh, it probably it, depends it's really on awful. The, it probably depends on the Facebook group. For example, my one isn't a, uh, and it's advertised as not a, a not a, a beginner's group. You know, you know I have right. questions, and if people don't answer their questions, I don't let them in. Um, and I, I expressly say this is, you know, it's a private group for hardcore discussion. Or it's not for beginners. I don't want beginners in there, to be honest. Well, it's um, also, it's not too also, hard to Google. It's not too hard to Google those answers, uh, unfortunately for you. So I slipped in, but uh, but the. Uh, uh, in general, though, I mean, we're very lucky to have a community where people at the absolute um, beginning of the funnel can talk to people who are at the, the peak, the absolute pinnacle uh, of, of remote viewing, people such as yourself and Paul H. Smith and many others who join in. It, it's very, compared to other disciplines, we have the ear of people who have the expertise and the knowledge and the experience. And so that's wonderful. But the downside of that is being held to the same standards and um, kind of being compared to those people. So there needs to be a safe space for experimentation and for amateurs and for people to find their own footing and ask their own questions. Even those questions have been asked a hundred times. I think that's kind of where Reddit winds up and it can get a little bit repetitive. Um, <laughs> Facebook can be a little unfriendly sometimes to people who come in with different um, understandings. And some of those people aren't ready to listen to the remote viewing perspective either, to be fair. And, and Green, while you're venting, do feel free to use my name directly. You don't need to. to I didn't want to invoke you, Russell. Why would I use your name? You don't say Voldemort in the Harry Potter universe. No. Well, I'm just giving um, I, permission to be more direct and let you know I'm always. I, I, my, I wasn't. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, if I sound a little strange, it's because I'm holding the neighbor's baby in one hand and rocking them while I'm talking to you. but. Um, it's not any one person and I'm a little bit of an armchair historian so I can go back to email threads from 15 years ago and see much of the same thing and or I could go to the old Irva email list and see a lot of the same thing so it's, it's not new and it's not any any one particular person and not all the time so I'm I didn't feel the need to name any names. Okay, but you you were pretty specific about a couple of situations that you and I are both aware of. So anyways, in the future, understand I'm very direct. I'm very open to any kind of dialogue. So for clarification, the presentation I've made to you was based solely out of numerous comments that Ingo himself made about getting some experience and he couldn't like in resurrecting the mysterious. The guy, Nick Cook, who interviewed him, he made Nick Cook do some remote viewing sessions before he would even speak with him. Also, I've heavily complimented your brilliant writing, your articulation, your passion. I offered you unlimited personal free training, not to, to be antagonistic to you, but to, to see, you know, to take that step. 
it takes one to know one in part. I spent six years intellectualizing this the first time that I failed at it. And I thought it was that way. In fact, Daz kind of met me at the end of that curve where I had intellectual perspective and I'd never even started Paul's training yet. Understand, I respect you, I admire you. You're one of the most intelligent voices out there. My challenges to you are not based on any victory for myself. They're wanting you to fully experience and understand it. And, and that's the gist of it. And you are correct. I have been impolite, aggressive, and I apologize for that. But ne never hesitate to either mention me by name or communicate with me directly, okay? Well, but I, I don't have to make it about you and me. I was using some of the experiences I've had to discuss what somebody might face entering into the world remote viewing and on the Facebook groups too, in a community where there's the absolute experts and the absolute beginners and the completely oblivious all, all mixed together. But in general, I think it would be healthy for this community to make space for all kinds of people. When, when if, if you say, I haven't not had experiences in remote viewing. I've had my own experiences in remote viewing. And so do in order for those experiences to become valid, do I have to follow a particular path in a particular way to meet somebody's particular standard? I, I would hope that the answer is no for myself and for other people as well. And that's sort of the spirit in which I think we operate the Discord and the Reddit group, which really is fairly hands-off. I mean, we're, there's not a lot that we do besides point people to resources and tell them it's cool. Um, what they're doing and, and try to use credible answers or, or things from our experience to help people. Um, it's a little bit, uh, hmm. it, it feels like anything that I might have ex experienced or achieved is not recognized and by somebody that wants to be the arbiter of these things. And, and maybe that's the way some other people feel as well. So I don't know why I would have to follow a, one particular path in order to have valid experience. And that's kind of what I hear every time I'm told that I need to go get experience. And I'm not sure exactly what path I'm going to take with remote viewing. I, I'm not here to find murderers. You know, I'd like to help where I could. This is a kind of a meditation for me, an exploration of the boundaries of the universe. It's part of my personal spiritual development and a little bit of a hobby. I think it could be both. I don't think that People need to be yelled at if they say that they feel remote viewing is a hobby because a hobby can be very heartfelt as well. There are people who have a hobby of, you know, grooming bonsai trees and for them, it's as spiritual as anything else you might find. So uh, there are, how can we be more accepting to everybody's experience, whether they decide to follow in the tribe of Ingo and go to 1984 CRV or whether they explore Gary Langford's method, and then if they find a dead end, they find a dead end, you know, or how can we make this a safe place for people to experiment with remote viewing protocol, which kind of supersedes any particular method that's used? No, and, and I do understand what you're saying. Also understand that when somebody moves into a topic and is describing it intellectually without direct experience, particularly when it comes to perception and consciousness, I, I think experience should outweigh pontification. So, Right, and so after what I, everything I just said, when you're judging somebody else's experience, so you're saying that 
you just said that that person has had no experience. And if, if I was that person, if I just said that I've had my own experiences and you've just told me again, I haven't had valid experiences. And so I need to go have a particular type of experience and I need to think about it a particular kind of way. Right. And be let's, very- let's be, let's be clear about this. I've never spoken poorly of experimenting with Gary Langford or any, any of those kinds of things. Everybody should. Ingo himself experimented. You can watch his evolution all the way. But let's also not forget that Ingo was adamant, adamant about the term remote viewing that he and his fellows at ASPR coined it, that it had a specific definition, that it evolved over time. And in 1998, he grieved publicly that we've gone back to square one where remote viewing no longer has any definition. So when he worked with students and I've talked and trained with three of his students in person, he was rigid. He, even Tom McNear talked about how stern Ingo was when they were in training, but then they'd go watch a movie and it was all laughing and fun. So all I'm trying to do is say there's a balance and, you know, I understand that I was rough, but the intention behind it may not be, you know, the way you were perceiving it. I would love to see you, whatever. I don't care what path you follow, but if you're going to pontificate on something as specific as CRV, then I think you should have experience. I I think that's a fair thing. You know, as a pharmacist, uh, you wouldn't want somebody just walking in and prescribing psychological drugs for people because they popped a couple of pills and said, well, you know, this made me feel this way or that way. So there's just a balance here. And, and like I said, I apologize. I far exceeded patience and kindness and specific in regards to you. And you know what? I'm learning diplomacy. Paul and Tom McNair are hammering on me about it. And, and I'm just not there yet. Uh, he's still here, or the. He... Uh, let, let's just let's get away from you and me because we can talk about archetypes. We don't have to talk about specific people right now. I think that's it's really an issue that's larger than any one person. And so I would love to see more people from the community come together and work together at whatever level they are at, and be able to have a dialogue and learn and create the types of things that Daz is talking about. And in doing that, there shouldn't be any kind of sense of it's unfair that this person, you know, or it's unfair that that person's so on. We, we ha- there's, no, there's no real way to recognize right now who, can, who is a valid remote viewer and who isn't. It's so much patient-based. And there's kind of almost old boys network for remote viewing, right? So how do you, it gets you back to that problem of, knowing who's ready for what, what kind of task, ready for treatment for what kind of activity. But I don't think the world's best remote viewer necessarily makes somebody the world's best moderator or the world's best project manager or the world's best media marketer, right? Because in any, in any discipline, in any profession, there are multiple roles. There's journalists, you know, there are enthusiasts, there are people who are just curious and there's a space for all of them. But in the remote viewing community, a lot of people wear many hats and maybe they're not the most effective at them, which is why right now 
the when as Google changed their algorithm for what shows up on their front page, you know, people who really have the credentials are showing up there because they're better at playing the marketing game, right? So how can you kind of divide and conquer with remote viewing to make use of people who aren't the world's greatest remote viewers and still help them to be a valid part of it? I think you'll have a healthier. I think you have to have a balance, Uh, for example, and I'm not going to mention any names here on the biggest remote viewing Facebook page uh, and on someone's uh, public comments I, I had an argument or debate just a couple of days ago but if, because they made they were making specific claims without scientific backup they said they were like oh this part of CRE doesn't work my one's better for it and showing no evidence so you know there are cases as well where people are making claims in any of the RV forums and not backing it up in any way um, so there has to be a balance on both sides of the, of the situation here. Right. And Green, under, understand my intent here, especially, you know, acknowledging my poor behavior and apologizing to the public is to extend the hand of peace. You know, the group Daz just mentioned, I'm banned and blocked from just simply because I was discussing CRV, got in a couple of battles with people over this, that, the other. I spent two years admining in that group to try to protect just what you're talking about. I wanted to see new people have a safe place to stand and land and begin to explore. I found out that's not a popular thing to do. So Paul, oh, I say to Paul in creating his new group so that people could at least have, you know, a, a little bit of a structure on, on a certain thing. Now, Paul doesn't think he's always right. Paul and I argue, we've, we've had it out like full on, you, you know, with different opinions. There's been arguments uh, in battle since day one. The, the thing I think that, that you're saying is true. There needs to be an entry level. There needs to be a place that's safe. But if somebody's asserting something without in-depth personal experience, I, I just, I have to ask, where's the experience? Because this, like I said, this is so much, it, it takes one to know one. When Daz firmly first found out I was taking Paul's course, he sent me, I think it was like a five word private message. First private message I ever got from him said, be, be prepared to work. So it was. And I was like, ha ha, you don't know me. I've you know been through basic training and the fire academy, my God, Daz knew exactly what he was saying. The CRV training, just the basic week, was that hard. And when you do it for three years, and you've taken uh, five of Paul's courses, you've been through a week of operational, and you've worked your butt off, and you realize retrospectively back to when you were speaking from the book, and Daz saw me during this phase and challenged me himself. There's a difference. There's a huge difference between the lessons, the humility, the massive of condominiums of paper here, pure failure. And, and so with a certain kind of care and a high level of respect, the articles you've written are, uh, I wish I could write like that. The, the ideas you've noticed, I've liked a lot of these posts lately. So I just hope maybe we can get back on the right foot 
and definitely I, I was the aggressor and probably put my uh, words and mouth where they didn't belong, but I, I'm willing to, to move forward from this. So if you are, um, you know, I'll make some changes. Okay. Uh, that, that sounds good. I, I think, I think it's beyond just you and me and um, I'm, I understand you've had some very specific struggles and challenges in a very specific path for remote viewing. Um, I have my own path so far and it's been mostly my own. And although I respect CRV and, and have dabbled with it a little bit and had some mild success with it, I know that I don't have the rigor of experience of being taught by Paul Smith. I think very few people do, but um, when discussions come up, they don't, always have to be answered from the perspective of somebody who has been on that particular path and had that exact training. There are experiences that people can have with remote viewing through remote viewing protocol that are agnostic of methods and people should be able to speak to their own experiences. And sometimes people can have experiences that are very advanced very early on with remote viewing, just as people can have really wild things happening very early on with meditation. Um, very suddenly and on it's, it's something that happens sometimes people are given glimpses and previews of things um when dealing with remote viewing or dealing with meditation that they haven't exactly worked up to and so just because somebody hasn't been 10 years down a particular path doesn't mean that they don't have something to contribute or some insight that might inform somebody especially somebody who's of the same level or around the same space that they are. So there have been times where I've seen people talk about what has been useful for them in remote viewing in general. And then they're kind of shushed and told no because of the, a very particular CRV perspective. And again, I'm not speaking about you and me only. So it right, doesn't no, have to be about you and me only. No, I understand. But very clearly, you know the situations that you mentioned that are connected to me. So let's just go clean on that. Yes, it's occurring on multiple levels. So there's people that probably don't want to sit and listen to all of this, but I think it's a good place and I think it was time. So let me make two things very, very clear to you about your point. One, I am not the best remote viewer in the world. From my level of training, I'm probably average. Paul has told me that. I don't have any shame. He has A-plus students of, that are much better than me. I do the very best I can. And I am not claiming ever to be the best remote viewer in the world. The second thing, to your point, if I were in charge of a remote viewing operation and I had five people turning beautiful, perfect CRV format sessions that had no usable data, and I had someone that came to me that read the coffee grounds in their cup, read runes, read uh, a pile of chicken bones and they gave me accurate data, I would hire the people that produce accurate data myself. I would not care how they came about that data. So understand, I agree with you. CRV is not the end all be all. I, I, I just want to try to make my point. I understand where you're coming from. You absolutely have contributed. I don't doubt that. Your articles, you've researched things and put things out there I didn't know. So you've contributed to me. So I'll end it here. I'll extend the olive branch and, and uh, hopefully somehow th this dialogue will open back up between you and I.
Okay. And I just, I hope that RV can kind of grow and be more accepting. Gosh, I, I would love to see all the old arguments just sputter out. I, I, you know, I, w- I want people to be able to continue in whatever disciplines they choose, but as somebody coming into this, I'd love to just see those old arguments sputter out and um, a good record kept of the way things were. Absolutely. But there's so much. It, it, we're, it's too small. Remote viewing is too small. I think there's blue ocean out there. Do you know the term blue ocean in, in like the business world or red ocean? And red ocean is like, you're all a bunch of sharks and the ocean's red because you're all battling it out to get the, the kill. You know, blue ocean is, it's wide open. And I think the explosion of interest in places like TikTok, where I'm not even at, to remote viewing. I heard that there's videos about remote viewing tournament on TikTok now. I haven't seen them. I'm curious to go, you know, seek them out. So those are people who um, I got excited about the Monroe Institute and about the CIA classified stuff. And they never came about it through any other more established venues. They're just watching videos on TikTok. Um, so there's, there's interest out there. There's blue ocean. There's places where everybody can go out and find people who are interested in remote viewing more so now than ever before. It's got to be time to kind of put a kibosh to anything that divides the community or else the entire establishment that's here is going to get minimized completely by newcomers who are, who, who really don't have guidance at all. And when, when somebody comes and tells them that they're doing it wrong, they're just not going to want to hear it. And they're going to overwhelm. There's the volume on what they're doing is going to be higher than the volume on what everyone else is doing. Um, so open arms and find ways to appeal to people who have different perspective or come from a different background who don't care what happened 40 or 50 years ago and still make remote viewing vital to them and find a way to teach them good principles without being so corrective and hard or argumentative about exactly which style is right. That's got to be the way going forward. Well, or else- but what does remote viewing mean, Grin? What is the definition? Who is the man and his 499 associates? What did they create? What does it mean? I can take the term E equals MC square, throw Einstein out the window and go on and on about it all day, but that doesn't change. So this is what Dazzle is trying to say. There's gotta be a balance. If remote viewing means everything, it means nothing. And I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm going to interject that. here. Oh, I'm sorry if this is inappropriate, but I'm just going to interject. Um, I, I think I see both of your perspectives, and I just want to say uh, to Russell's point of you have to define remote viewing so that you can then discuss it and do it. But I think that there is the valid argument being made is that if you're looking at people on TikTok, they don't know about Ingo, they don't know about the military remote viewing, but they're still using the term remote viewing because it's been floating around and they're redefining it. And you can either staunchly stick to your rigid definitions and and this is the, the important person, this is Ingo, and these are his acolytes, and this is the system that works, except that it, it works in that... And, allows anyone to, to touch a little bit of sky. However, it like you just admitted yourself, sometimes people will read the coffee cup and, and, and get better insight and, and get better results. So we can say that the CRV is the ultimate end all be all of remote viewing because it works for, you can train people, yes, okay, except 
that I can take someone who has better raw talent and they can outperform you using a a bastardization of CRV. And so you can't keep saying that that the CRV has to be protected because it works better than everything else when it may not work better than everything else. I don't think I don't think we're arguing a CRV thing here though, Sasha. I think it's an RV thing. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that I think that the point Green is making is valid in that there are a lot of young people coming in. And if you if you make your structure too rigid, they're gonna look at that and that's that doesn't that's not going to be appealing to them. So they're just gonna keep I don't, doing what they're I, doing. I gotta be honest is, here. I if if they don't find it appealing, I don't care. If we have the protocols that say what remote viewing is, the six rules. If they yeah. don't do their psychic stuff within those six rules, then I don't want them calling it remote viewing. But do you want do you want popular culture to move on without you and no, have no. a a form yeah. of remote viewing that is not as good, that has not much to do with all this work that's been put it, into remote viewing and CRV. And then that ends up being more popular because it can be it's more, more popular. accessible. It can be more popular, it can be more accessible, but it can also be more wrong. And remote I think viewing, yes, and wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be a shame if, if what no. ends up replacing yeah. this is something what? that's not but as good in comparison it's only going to replace this if we allow people to use the term remote viewing for anything they do under any circumstance when it's not that okay. it's very specific it's a very specific scientific format of using intuition that's all it is so yeah. I, and i think it'd be seen as like martial arts right where like we're kind of discussing correct me sasha if i'm wrong but we're treating like psychical abilities as the umbrella thing like martial arts But underneath that, you have Aikido, Hapkido, Taekwondo, Karate. So you can't go into a karate forum and start saying, hey, you need to do Aikido techniques and joint locks and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. It may be better and it may be that, but it's still not Aikido. So to your point, Sasha, I think collectively in terms of mind, yeah, we need to be open to dousing and remote viewing and who cares if it's a salt shaker or a a medium or a whatever, but under the grouping of remote viewing, yeah. it, it does need boundaries. And I think to that But that's Rich, persuasive. Sasha, can, can, for one second though. So I, I made a video a little while back because I was really frustrated about the arguments about remote viewing. Yes, no matter what the cat's out of the bag, there are people who use the term remote viewing in, in drastically different ways. And so the way that I was observing people use it I, I, there are four ways that remote viewing is used. Um, so I have a video, it's called Remote Viewing and Disambiguation. And I had people tell, give me generally favorable reviews about it. But the idea is the most correct way is remote viewing protocol, which has the elements that Daz was referring to. And then other people use remote viewing to describe the particular methods that have been developed, like controlled remote viewing, specifically for use within remote viewing protocol. And then there's a kind of wild talent of remote viewing that's a, that's a basic human ability. And that could include other psychic disciplines, clairvoyance, clairaudience, precognition, uh, astral projection. Um, and people will loosely call these remote viewing and you can't stop them from doing that, but you can yeah. tell them that they really aren't remote viewing unless they're being done in protocol. 
And then the fourth way people use the term remote viewing is for a, a million different unclassifiable things. And they want to know if it's remote viewing because they want to feel validated like they're doing something important. And that might be, I fell asleep and I had a dream about stained glass and the stained glass was in the image of my old girlfriend and she was holding a baby. Is that remote viewing? And my uncle says it is. And then you tell them, I, my, my tact is to tell them, no, I don't know what that is. I can't classify it. It doesn't follow, it doesn't meet the criteria of remote viewing in the strictest definition, but it sounds pretty cool. If you want to try remote viewing, here's the way, here's where you could start. Here's some good resources and here's what's different. And then you educate them about the protocol. And I try to validate the experience that they've had because it's, un, it's, it's bothered them enough or it's gotten them excited enough that they've come looking for remote viewing as a discipline. So I don't want to hit them with a wall and make them feel bad that they haven't remote viewed, but I do want to let them know what remote viewing is. So the four levels of remote viewing that I've seen, the term, the meaning, the levels of meaning, the most correct would be the protocol. The methods are also remote viewing, but if they're not done within protocol, then they're arguably not remote viewing either. There could be remote viewing. Somebody could do CRV outside of remote viewing protocol. Yeah. And then there's general psychic abilities, which could be remote viewing if done within protocol. And then there's everything else that's unclassifiable because we don't have enough information. Like they didn't bother to keep a record. You know, they didn't, they, they didn't have a target ahead of time. They, um, they're not sure if they're correct or not because there's no feedback. You know, they saw something very vivid and realistic and it sure looked like, you know, a, a Chinese singer, but they don't know if it was actually anywhere real because there's no, no way to verify it externally so then it's not remote viewing by definition and that I makes think, sense yeah. and i i wasn't trying to i'm i i don't actually have a, a strong position on this i'm just trying to interject to say look this is this is the noise i think that i'm hearing and this is what i want to see <laughs> right i want to see the, both sides of it and i think that's easier to talk about it at, at this level and from this point rather than just have you and Russell arguing. I think this now has been more helpful to me, at least. The, the last five minutes have, have helped persuade me a little bit more. Um, they right? weren't arguing. They were having a discussion. Yes, they were. Right. <laughs> I, really, I really wasn't trying to argue. I was, try, I was trying to speak more broadly. And, and I still think the, the point is that instead of maybe shooing people away or telling them they're not doing remote viewing, let them know that this their remote viewing has has particular meanings and i think you're talking about remote viewing in this sense you know and that's cool and then here's the sense in which we talk about remote viewing we'd like to try it our way i think that could be a bridge between people who otherwise get into arguments they recognize that you know instead of continually telling people that, that they're using remote viewing like the wrong way and you need to respect the right way you're doing it wrong. No one wants to hear you're doing it wrong. You know, not it, so how can you turn that around and meet people where they are and then lead them where you want them to go? Well, in one sense, like Daz says, I don't think we're trying to appeal to the masses. So let's say Daz and I go and join um, a website uh, called, you know, Reading Coffee Grounds. And we go in there and we tell them, this is, you know, and we start imposing remote viewing on the reading ground, uh, reading coffee grounds, Facebook page. It's just, it's not an, a polite thing to do. I'm not going to go 
like for instance, I'm, I'm not going to go to Reddit and do this, that, or the other. Okay. I am in a group called remote viewing and remote viewers and remote viewing and remote perception. The terms are clearly there. It's the header. If you come in there, then you are looking and learning and listening. Why would people come in there and then try to convince those of us, Gaz has been doing this for 24 years. Because Why? everywhere else that that term is being used, it's not being used the way that it's being used in the most proper sense inside of that community. So in a way, the remote viewing Facebook groups, as large as they are, are the odd person out when the term has already been diluted so much. Okay. The I, fact I, is, it, the, way that, the way that language progresses is that new meanings arise for the same words and new spellings too. And there's always going to be somebody who's upset by it. And the way that know, the dictionary copes with it is to add extra alternate definitions for the same word. And then when that word or term is used, you have to understand in what sense people are using it. No. So, so maybe it's posted a recording of Ingo in his own voice. Ingo said, it's my effing term and anybody who tries to wiggle out of it is a freak. We have there's to, pretty freaky people out there. We have to honor some aspect of factual history. If it you were may not, have to, you may have to, but but other people don't. They don't have to do anything. Nobody has to, to respect anyone at all. They can't go to control. A then go to a group called whatever the heck you want to use to perceive things accurately, and go to that group. You can't. I guarantee you, there's going to be a group called remote viewing, and that group called remote viewing is going to do everything the way that you object to. But that's because okay. People, but people that's can okay. call things. Well, here's here's the thing, though. Like, if, if you don't find a way to make bridges with people like that, when I look, for example, at, at Paul Smith, he he did an AMA with us and asked me anything on Reddit. And my question for him was, who's your successor? Because everyone called brings a parallel between these um, remote viewing methods and and martial arts disciplines and so on. And schools of martial arts used to battle it out and some got killed off and some lost their ability to keep practicing because they lost a fight to you know, the owner of a different school and they got taken over because one was superior and whatever. It's another martial way of looking at things. And who's Paul H. Smith's successor? He's taught hundreds or thousands of people. When I've asked him, they said, well, I didn't really have any, you know, because a lot of the people who came and took my classes were really just interested in getting some of the experience. And then they went away. And so if this is the most correct way of doing controlled remote viewing, it hasn't been preserved and passed down in such a way that it can continue on to be propagated, then it's at risk of being wiped out. And maybe that's why there's so much territorialism lately. Green, about which, green, but, which but is right. here's, here's something really important, and it's about how knowledge is built. You mentioned language, but it's not the same. And, you know, I agree with, with, with what Paul is saying. You know, we're talking like physics. Of course, there are people that create some ideas, and some of them inherit the research, but um, it's overall knowledge. And there are thousands of physics physicists doing a lot of work so this is more about you know how to preserve knowledge and let's think outside of remote viewing i could create a facebook group about medical advice i'm not a, a medic i could make up everything and that doesn't mean i'm being exclusive the, the thing is that i need to gain literacy on the subject to be able to respect the, the previous work upon which we are building up to to continue working up 
probably I will disagree with some things. I will add more to, to the big tree of knowledge of this, this specific subject, but we cannot go and polarize things and saying like, you know, we're excluding people because it's like saying, you know, I like uh, Kellogg's cornflakes, but there's grand, grand value, another similar thing that is different. So there will be an argument about which is better, which is original. No, no, it's about what you're interested in, as Russell said. And if there's a broader concept, when then if you gain literacy, then it, it is ESP. And then you get into the subject. But, you know, this is common all across the human knowledge parts. You've got people that is learning, people that have already learned with all our faults as humans. But the thing is that if we commonly agree on some subjects, some directives that we will use to keep advancing our knowledge, then we do that. We are not forcing anyone. So, so that's the, the point. And that's why I'm assuming that's, please correct me, but that's why you, are, you mentioned you don't want newbies because it's like teaching all over everything again instead of contributing. But that's my, my, my point of view, of course, no offense to no one. But, but I think that we, we should be careful on don't overuse some terms and, and try to, to focus on the specific thing we're trying to develop, argue, or even, you know, do differently. That's a really good point, Pablo. And I want to just make a quick comparison that I think a lot of us will be familiar with. Um, at least once a week on the Reddit, somebody comes along and they're like, oh, I just discovered remote viewing. Oh, my God, this is real, blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing out of their mouth is something which uses the phrase quantum physics or quantum entanglement or quantum mechanics. And they, they, they start talking about like, and it's like, well, no, we don't know. It's, you don't have to cram this into a science box, you know. And, and I think, Sasha, you're probably very well qualified to um, shit on these people, right? Um, but it's, they're just wrong, but they're trying to understand and they're abusing terminology, which means something else. But it doesn't mean that we can't reach out to them and be like, well, no, I mean, that's not supported by evidence. That's not how any of us understand it. Here's what we're doing, if you're curious. You know, and they'll be like, you're wrong, die in a fire. One, one thing that I think, you know, we all need to consider, there isn't a single person that would be here conversing today if it were not for the life of Ingo Swan. Okay, period. He brought this into existence with a number of other people. And that's a fact. And when you, uh, Daz very graciously uh, introduced me via email to Ingo's niece, Ellie. And if you don't think she's upset about some of the attacks and degradation against her uncle Ingo and the estate's rights and various other factors that she stands up for, making sure Ingo's books get out there, et cetera, there's a human history to this. And every person, Look, remote viewing became popular because it's a cool buzzword. It sounds cool. It was authenticated by the U.S. government. And now people want to latch on to it and, and do whatever they do with it. I so going, going back to my example just then, though, Russell, the people who abuse the phrase quantum physics don't disappear actual scientists and, you know, like Schrodinger and Richard Feynman and that guy whose name's really long that I always forget. And that stuff is still there. It's not lost. And real students of the discipline will find it and read it and learn about it. And they might not. Right. 
get in that way, but it's still there. You're absolutely correct. But if all of a sudden the quantum physicist said, uh, hey, we want to appeal to the masses. We want everybody to use the term quantum physics, but it has no definition. But we understand it and a few of us do. How are those people coming in the door going to ever come become acquainted with the actual meaning, the actual intention, and the actual human being who paid heavy life dues to bring it to all of us? There's well, the, it's a matter of it's a, uh, what, what's the most important thing about remote viewing? Is the most important thing about remote viewing Ingo Swan, or is the most important thing about remote viewing that person who has just had that experience of remote viewing, maybe for the first time, and they've just caught that interest about remote viewing? Did they I, my, remote view, or did they have a spontaneous perception? Well, did let's they, find out. Let's talk. Let's talk dream? with them and find out and meet with them where they are because because the history the history is important and it's there and the history there's a story and and that story teaches you about where it came from and but at that moment when someone has that experience they don't always need the entire picture and to have the picture hundred percent correct and but they I think I mean, they, if if they're not doing it properly they haven't had a remote viewing experience correct. So do you start by tell, in what way do you start? Like, how do you approach that person? Cause really this is just a matter, it's just a matter of approach. And how do you keep the hand out there for them in a way that doesn't seem like they're being chastised or, or hit in the head with the history, well, especially think, if they're here, especially I if they're hearing from 10 other people, if they're hearing from 10 other people that what they did is remote viewing, then you're the minority and they already have their expectation. Yeah, but sometimes people are wrong. I mean, I, I, I think you know. Other than my Facebook, I try to discourage uh, newbies coming into. Uh, I think I cover all that on my website. If people come there, they can get they can get the answers. What is remote viewing and what remote viewing is not. But my Facebook group, it just isn't uh, the forum for that. Um, so I don't think I don't think we do discourage people. I think if if newbies do find their way in. We do say to them, especially in my group, you know, I'm sorry, it's a really interesting experience you've had, but it's not remote viewing. Have a look here, and uh, this gives you the, the protocols behind it. I think that's a better approach than what we find in some other places, and I, and I think that that's the way to make inroads. Because you, what, what you don't want is you don't want that history of Ingo to die out. And the way that it'll die out is if people feel invalidated and unwelcome. And then me, they won't they won't they won't show up to it as much. And and it's not possible for everybody in the world to get trained by particular people like yeah, for like me though, it's men. not it's not about the history of Ingo, it's about it's about the history of, of remote viewing and the, for me it's about the science, really. Uh, we find there's an awful lot of people that you know they just go off doing their own thing, thinking they're doing remote viewing, and they don't review the 45 years of hardcore science that you can review, you know, to stop yourself repeating all the all the mistakes people have previously made. Um, that that's what it is for me. It's it's all about the science, not about a single person, you know, because this Inga was great, you know, he, he is the guy, he's the father of remote viewing, but he's not the only one, you know. We got all the others, Pat Price, Joe McMyeagle, all the scientists. It's the history for me, the science. The amount of work that's out there, you know, like I've got here right beside me now, the four Stargate archives books, you know, thousands of pages of information here. It's that kind of stuff that it's relevant, uh, that shouldn't be forgotten. It's it, it has to be known by 
even the smallest person that's coming in trying to RV. And Dad's a direct question. Hey, can I jump in here for a minute? Yes, Andra. This is Andra. Can I jump in for just a minute as a newbie? I just, maybe you guys can just humor me for a couple of minutes. Um, it seems like it's going to be off topic. It's not. And that, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm uh, amazed at the um, parallels. So I'm just going to draw an analogy for a minute. And I'm going to um, actually break my anonymity and tell you that I'm going to talk about for a second the organization called Alcoholics Anonymous. There are tens of millions of people in it worldwide, 110 countries. Since the pandemic started, I've been to meetings in 18 countries. Um, it's been around since 1933. Um, people, it, it's not secret, but it is universally misunderstood. Um, people think it is secret. People think all kinds of wrong things about it. One of the phrases of, of the AA is that it's a program of attraction rather than promotion. And that's a big thing. Um, there is no central person. Bill Wilson is revered. He's the person who started it. But it is, he is not Alcoholics Anonymous. There is no successor to Bill Wilson, except the 100 million people worldwide who, who are in this program. It has 12 steps written out, actual 12 steps. You can follow them. And yet every meeting is autonomous. You go to a meeting on one side of Rochester, it can be done completely differently than it's done on the other side of Rochester or in Iowa or in Dubai. But it's still all Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, in this program, we have this idea of what we call sober. Sober is you're in recovery. That's very different from I don't drink anymore. And believe me, I've been in this program 10 years. You'll, you won't find a group that argues more about what, what does it mean? How do we connect with newbies? How do we connect? What is our responsibility? What is not our responsibility? Um, it is not our responsibility to go out there and evangelize, nor is it our responsibility to go out there and correct the public's impression on each and every word or terminology that we use because it's for us. I'm the first person to get up and say, you know what, there are other ways to do this. You don't have to come here. There are lots of other ways. There's other recovery programs. Hell, just try white knuckling it, whatever. Um, it doesn't make alcoholics any weaker. It doesn't make it any less the dominant force that is literally out there saving lives. But there's no central organization to it. It's completely autonomous. The rules, quote unquote, are only suggestions. And millions of dollars change hands at any given day. And somehow it all works. I don't really know how. But it's because it's AA has this thing called the traditions. They're 12 guiding principles. Um, 
people can argue about them, but they're the guiding principles that keep us focused on what our mission is without becoming overly dogmatic, without becoming overly reliant on the history and the people who on whose shoulders we stand. Um, and yet we are ever mindful and grateful and we seek to teach those coming up the history. So it's not, there is a difference between Alcoholics Anonymous, the organization and each individual person. So it may not be AA's responsibility to go out there and correct or teach or grab somebody off the street and get them sober. But it is my responsibility because one of the things we say whenever anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. I kind of feel that remote viewing, because it is in some ways grave, um, it, it saves lives, important lives, young lives, old lives, vital lives. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Lynn is remote, real remote viewing is not a toy. Um, it is serious. And I understand the great frustration at what seems like um, almost like it's almost like the question over migrants. <laughs> How many are we going to let in? Um, but I would not have been here at all if it weren't for my fidelity to, I wanted to learn the specific military program as Ingo Swan taught it in this way, in no other way until I get better. Um, I think that, and I'm just gonna end with this. I don't necessarily think that it's necessary to have to, it may be a great feature of these groups that we get to argue about them. But if it is at all possible for anyone to kind of put together these loose guiding principles that the, the groups use, um, I think there would be less, um, I don't want to say ner ner neuroses, I'm sorry, it's such the wrong word. There would be less um, stress on feeling like if we don't get something correct, it either um, compromises the integrity of the history or the, or the method. If the method is done correctly, I mean, the history is gonna be there, it doesn't change. The methods are codified in one sense and will always evolve in another sense. And I think that's okay, so long as we, you, are able to discuss, in part, um, why adherence to this protocol is why we call it remote viewing and why that isn't. Please feel free to use it, but it's not remote viewing. Just like, you know, you go over to whatever, rational recovery, it's not AA. I'm glad it gets you sober, thank God. It's just not the same thing. That's all. 
Thank you for sharing, Andrew. That was great. Thank you for that. I'm so sorry that was so long. That's okay. That's what we're here for. Okay. So Anyone else want to add, add anything to wanna, this before we move on? I want to ask you a question, Daz. So on your website, you have the clearest um, definition of, of the points of what constitutes remote viewing, which is not <laughs> exclusive to any particular developed method. You've come up with a new um, video. Paul came out with a video, which is no format, just a, a quick session format. He's welcoming people into the target ball unconditionally, regardless of the format they choose. So there's lots of doors open, but when people walk in the door, where are they gonna go? So you, if you yourself were putting forth just the intellectual material on your website and hadn't done 50 sessions to stage six, do you think you would fully understand remote viewing if you hadn't had all those hours and years of subjective experience? Uh, no, you, you, you know, you, you need to, you need to have experience in remote viewing to be able to give guidance about re remote viewing. Yeah. Yep. Anyone else have any last ones to say on this? Cause we're, I mean, we'll, we'll carry on till 12 because that'll take us out to three hours, but there's still a couple of hands up and a couple of people put their hands down. Uh, oh, I was about to say something, but if there's people who've got their hands up, they've been waiting longer than me, so grab some of them. Are you sure? Well, I don't know. It depends whether they're going to talk for more than 11 minutes or not. <laughs> okay, let's go with Gino then. Gino, go for it. Sorry about Hi, that. Hi, thanks. No, no, no. I'm, I just wanted to chime in and to, first of all, say hello to everybody because it's, this is a really good community and, and I'm enjoying it very much all these days. And I don't want to hijack the last theme, but I, I kept along with the idea of, well, I, I really support the idea of a group to investigate issues around scientific things, philosophic, um, from physics, and those issues that also surround the phenomena of remote viewing, but not just the phenomena, but the scientific uh, aspect of it, because I really agree with the idea of remote viewing being a scientific approach to what intuition and all those kind of unnamed things we have really got like a new name and a new procedure with all these all these protocols so i'm i'm very glad and thankful for the work being done by ingo and everybody really in these fields and i really support the idea of having a group to investigate issues surrounding remote viewing, surrounding quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And also I, I come from philosophy. There are many things around philosophy, things and thoughts that comply with remote viewing that we don't really have the time to put together. 
So I think it's difficult when you have, um, as I said, sorry if I'm deriving to another things that were previously, we were previously talking about, but it's important to me to, to say that remote viewing itself, it's like if you wish asking us to get into science and get into this kind of questions we we are always arguing or discussing about like philosophy or physics whatever it could be really really interesting to overcome the fact that those things don't have an actual uh, feedback for us to to like state this this was the the clear result so it could be glad to see a group of people or remote viewers and taskers to try to overcome this limitation because it, it's a great opportunity to 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 have these answers in 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 any way and overcome the problems of the intention of the taskers while asking things and overcome the the many aspects of the problems of not having a factual uh, feedback instead of that trying to get along with it anyway because it would be so interesting to have some insights to those kind of questions if you ask me that's all thanks thanks for sharing Gino thanks for that Anyone else want to have one, one or two last things before we wrap this one up after three hours? One, I'd like to say this, first of all, to everybody here that went through the dialogue, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, I appreciate Grin bringing this up and um, every, everybody's responses. I know sometimes... Um, this topic gets heated, but it's worth it. Perception is going to be the key to everything for each of us at some point in time. If we are not perceiving correctly, we will never understand a problem and we will never be able to under, uh, uh, solve that problem. Even when it comes to something as broad scoped as, as the universe or the source or God or whatever, if we're not perceiving correctly, and I mean in the absence of our preferences, our beliefs, our wants, our needs, just if we could clear ourselves of all that garbage and just see things as they are, okay, that's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference for us as individuals. It's going to make a difference ultimately for us as a planet. And depending on how far things go, a solar system or even a galaxy. So, so part of my passion is about that, that something was created that's trainable, repeatable, and verifiable is monumentally historic. Is it the end all be all? No, I, I never ever put that opinion forth. It's a moment in history. It was a remarkable development. And if Tom McNear and others, Daz included, you know, if they can take stage one through six CRV or stage one through seven and do what they've done with it, 
that's remarkable. If you can learn H, uh, I always get this, uh, Hawaii, HRVG, <laughs> like Dick Algarve, that's remarkable. It's not CRV, but it's remarkable. But even then, it started with this, this seed of history that in retrospect, maybe 40 years from now, people actually recognize the significance of the government paying for, supporting the creation of, and going operational with something of this nature, that's, that's landmark, that's huge. So I, I appreciate everybody here and, and we hashed out a lot of stuff. I, I truly hope that, um, you know, Grin will you know, understand what I've said and the position I've taken and my apology for the shortcomings. But each of us here is amazing. I know so many of you on different levels. Daz and I have hashed it out and are still friends. Paul and I have hashed it out and we're still friends. So friends can come out of this, but I don't think at any point acceptance or being part of a club um, should be the priority. I just think that, that we should pursue each of our own paths for clear perception. And, and that, I mean, truly is my only wish for everybody, including myself. I wish I could see clearly and, you know, God knows I don't. So anyways, I, I do appreciate everybody's endurance through this dialogue. Okay. Well, we should wrap this up there now, guys, after three hours, uh, I mirror, uh, what Russell said really has been, a, to be honest, it's been one of the, the better chats because, um, it's just honest dialogue between everyone in the remote viewing community. And that's, that's what this kind of community discussions for, you know, is to get things there, get things out in the open and uh, discussing things to see where we can move forward. So it's been really great. Um, and thank you everyone for all your questions and your comments. And, you know, I've learned a lot from, from this evening. So thank you very much for that. So we'll leave it there then. Uh, have a good weekend, everyone. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with something. I'll see if I can arrange another, guest to give us a talk or something take care have a good weekend thank you and um thank you everybody for supporting a level of discourse which is far superior to what you can get on facebook <laughs> yes. yeah it's been great take care everyone have a good weekend good night everybody thank you Bye. thanks for listening to the signal line a remote viewing podcast don't forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed.